so yeah, so that's so that's first. Um, and then I guess more importantly, um, I'd like to welcome Joe, Joe Bannister. Um, uh, Joe is really an amazing person with an amazing story. Um, he's a former IRS agent uh, who who um, started researching the laws. I, I guess he started hearing the the wild conspiracy theories about you know all these crazy arguments that everyone wanted to, to use to not pay income tax. Um, and he started looking into it and and realized, hey, this this is kind of a scam. So um, he he uh, basically became um, uh, uh, a person who's who's fighting for um, for the truth to come out um, and for you know for for us to realize that uh, uh, most of us shouldn't be paying. Um, and uh, I guess. So let me let me hand it over to you, and um, uh, I'm, I'm terrible with introductions, so <laughs> I'll uh, I'll let you introduce yourself. Um, anything else you want to say, um, um, go for it. Thank you, Dan, and thank you, Connie. Um, well, yeah, I mean, Dan kind of touched on it. Um, I started with the IRS way back in 1993. And I lasted until 1999, about five and a half years. Uh, <clears throat> I intended to spend a full 20-year career with the IRS. I would have retired in a, around 2013 with probably an excess of 100000 per year pension. So uh, I would have been sitting on the beach uh, and probably not doing <laughs> this interview if things had gone a different way. But... Uh, uh, lo and behold, I had, you know, been raised not to steal from people or help others to steal from people. And I also took an oath to support and defend the Constitution. And uh, that's kind of how I ended up uh, having a little different uh, turn in my life. But um, basically, uh, as I said, five and a half years with the IRS, the first three years was... Um, somewhat blissful in the sense, you know, people might think I was a nasty character for even going to work for the IRS, but uh, I had got, I had uh, earned an accounting degree and a CPA, Certified Public Accountant Certificate, um, but I just couldn't see myself doing, you know, just run-of-the-mill accounting work for, uh, you know, 20, 30 years. And so a lot of my friends, relatives, including a couple of my brothers, were in uh, uniform law enforcement. And so I realized that there were, you know, criminal investigators that didn't necessarily wear a uniform uh, who would investigate, you know, violations of various state or federal laws. And uh, with some help from some mentors, I applied to both the FBI and the IRS Criminal Investigation Division. Uh, both those agencies have uh, a cadre of what they call special agents, and they call them special because they carry firearms, uh, they execute search warrants, make arrests, that kind of thing. Um, I, had in, I had progressed quite a ways into the FBI hiring process to the point of literally waiting for an appointment letter to uh, fly to Glencoe, I'm sorry, Glencoe, that's the, that's the IRS, to uh, Quantico, Virginia, where the FBI Training Academy is. Um, 
but back there in the in the 90s there was a hiring freeze for the FBI but not for the IRS and so um, while I was waiting for my uh, job of uh, my dreams at the FBI uh, the IRS called and asked me if I'd be interested in a special agent position there and uh, again with these mentors they said you know it's better to just get into the federal law enforcement you can always switch to an agency that you prefer later so I went ahead and took that advice and not to mention obviously the IRS has to do with the tax and accounting and things like that so I definitely had the right background for it uh, I just you know when people <laughs> ask what you do for a living and you say IRS they all run uh, well, maybe now FBI also but back then um, you know FBI was the more preferable uh, position to uh, to be able to work for anyway I ended, ended up getting sworn in as an IRS special agent in November of 1993 and again I would have spent you know 20 years there uh, retired and um, but about three years into my uh, IRS here I was listening to a talk radio show in the San Francisco Bay Area and this talk show host was someone who was very very trustworthy honorable uh, you could you know talk about a fact check I mean you could fact check him about anything and he was always very truthful and uh, I would listen to him not only you know before I became an IRS special agent but then while I was serving there and I would listen to the show while I was driving around in the government car you know doing investigations and one day he had this guest named DV Kid on his show and she was talking about the income tax and Federal Reserve and all these kinds of issues and you know if you can imagine uh, this is December of 1996 um, you know I would have been around 33 years old and I was very much a um, uh, defender of the Constitution, uh, mindful of the Bill of Rights, um, you know, things like that, and decided that that was definitely something that I, I cared about. Um, so when this woman started talking about the income tax, of course, that really hit home. Like, what do you mean because uh, she, she was claiming that most Americans weren't required to pay the federal income tax and so that started me on a journey uh, through the latter two years of my five and a half years at the IRS uh, trying to disprove this claim that that guest DV kid made on the radio show that day uh, that the income tax was absolutely you know mandatory for all Americans or at least the vast majority and uh, to my surprise um, I found out that what she was saying was true and that's that's the thumbnail of course you can there's lots of ways we could dig that rabbit hole deeper but that that's the thumbnail yeah yeah that's awesome and like I'm sitting here doing the math in my head too because like like I mean this is just so so you work for 20 years <laughs> like how do like you know there's a question of like how do you get a bunch of people to join an organization that's going to do like bad things and convince them they're doing something really good and and like get them to do it and it's like oh yeah you just offer them a lot of money and it's like 
working for tw- like like who offers a deal like that other than the government? You're going to work for 20 years and then you're going to make 100 grand a year um, on retirement <laughs> like for the rest of your life. Um, yes. Yeah, it's I mean, like it's not not bribery, but it's probably the next next best thing. It's pretty close. <laughs> yeah, um, it's well, it's interesting because um, I, I mean, you say it's not bribery, but somebody somebody made an interesting point today because there was um, there were I guess there were a bunch of Republicans who um, who uh, there, there's they had to petition and they had a bunch of signatures and they're questioning all the signatures. Um, and it was a, it was like a handful of different candidates. And the reason all of their signatures were bad is they all went through, they all hired the same company, um, to collect the signatures. And somebody pointed out that, that like, this really makes it a pay for play system when it's like, when you have to collect that number of signatures and the only option out there is to hire an agency that does that. It's literally just whoever has the money gets the signatures, um, that's that's it. And and so, yeah, it's not technically pay to be on the ballot, but it's pay to be on the ballot. Um, it's it's all uh, perspective, I guess. Um, yeah. But but yeah, that's really interesting. Um, awesome. So um, so I'm sure um, usually what we do is we we talk we talk just kind of a little bit about some of the some of the premise of this um but then i I know everybody in the audience also has some really great questions um so i want to um i want to invite people up um if you have questions about any of this um to go ahead and ask if you have any specific questions um uh about specific things um you know go ahead and ask and, and we'll try to answer the best that we can um but um but for now, let's let's kind of dig in a little bit just to um, just to kind of break the ice on this issue that that um, that most Americans don't have to pay this tax. Um, and I, I want to say, like the the first time I heard about this, I was like, okay, this is great. Like <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in. I'm gonna figure it out. Um, but then I went right into the um, uh, into the tax code and I started seeing things about like, no, it says right here, like every, every person within the taxable year has to pay, um, has to file and pay the tax. And like, it, it seemed pretty clear. Um, but at the same time, like I I've been, it's, it's, I kind of like, I'm constantly looking at it from both sides and I'm like, oh yeah, it does kind of say that. But then it's like, oh no, wait, but then it says this. Um, and, and there's there's a few different arguments about, you know, whether a U.S. citizen is um, is like w- whether this tax applies to everybody because, you know, you're you're only a, a resident of D.C. or whether like the tax just isn't isn't there. Uh, what would be your your easiest um, explanation to explain? Um, I, I know that was redundant. <laughs> um how how can this how can there be so many pages of this tax code and yet there's no actual law that says that most of us have to pay it well um i guess the first thing i would say is that you know there are many uh many different viewpoints i guess you could say I and mean, some people call them arguments or you know viewpoints and i can't I mean, I believe with all of my research that what I adhere to or believe about, you know, what the law requires of me is is accurate, truthful, provable. Um, but I, you know, there could be other 
aspects because as you said the there's so many thousands and thousands of pages of of the code and then of course if you've ever talked about uh, the code of federal regulations <laughs> that's even thousands more pages the, the regulations are supposed to explain and uh, implement the um, the code sections you know the statutes um, but I'll, I'll tell you the way I've you know, how I view it and based on all of my research and uh, discussions with uh, various attorneys and, you know, have, have yet to poke a hole in, in what I believe myself uh, or, or have anyone else do that. Uh, basically, so in 1913, you know, as maybe most people are semi-aware, the 16th Amendment was uh, ratified or at least allegedly ratified and that's the um, what you know they call the income tax amendment uh, it was proposed i think in 1910 approximately and uh, as with any amendment to the constitution there's a requirement that three quarters of the states ratify it and uh, <clears throat> there's really powerful, in my view, uh, incontrovertible evidence that the 16th Amendment was never properly ratified. There was fraud. Basically, some of the states that the federal government claimed had ratified the amendment actually didn't ratify it either by rejecting the amendment outright or by uh, approving or ratifying language that wasn't that didn't match what the 16th Amendment actually, you know, the actual language of it. So I guess it'd be like, I don't know, if you think of the Lord's Prayer, you know, the Our Father, and then you make, you take 10 words out or you change 10 words, it's not really, well, in the, in the constitutional system, when they uh, propose an amendment to the Constitution, Every period, comma, word, you know, has to be exact. And that's not my opinion. That's what, <laughs> that's what the Supreme Court has says. That's what, that's what the law requires. And anyway, um, so in 1913, they, you know, by that time, uh, they had sent the amendment around to all the states and claimed that three quarters of the states at that time uh, ratified the amendment and uh, so even if we uh, give in on that point which of course as far as the federal government is concerned the 16th amendment was ratified and in fact the courts at least the lower courts lower federal courts um, you know that's like case closed they don't no matter how much proof you show them they're they're not going to budge so Okay, it, it was ratified. Um, well, then the Supreme Court ruled over and over again that the 16th Amendment did not expand federal taxing power beyond what power was there before the 16th Amendment. Okay, so the 16th Amendment, in a sense, was kind of a, a clarification, perhaps, but it did not give the federal government any more power to tax than the day before the 16th Amendment, you know, was allegedly ratified. So, and this took uh, a few years and after 1913 for these court cases to, to come out. So the intention of those that 
proposed and, and wanted the 16th Amendment ratified was that it would tax, you know, basically all Americans. It would reach and, you know, reach just about every American, at least of working age. Um, so what happened was in 1916, there was a Supreme Court case called Brushaber. And Brushaber basically slammed the, Brushaber in other cases, slammed, um, you know, the federal government basically and said the 16th Amendment did not expand federal taxing power. And if it's hard to find all the evidence, we found some evidence to show that when, when this Brushaber case was decided, I mean, everybody's aware of like how the Supreme Court, that leak, you know, of the abortion decision and how that rattled, you know, the public one way or the other. Uh, we're talking about 1916, but nevertheless, uh, there was quite an earthquake in Congress because the intention was that, oh, the 16th Amendment comes into the Constitution and now we can just, you know, tax everything but the kitchen sink. So they were prepared to just have a wide income tax cover, you know, the entire population. Well, this 1916 case called Brushaber uh, didn't, didn't cooperate. It didn't <laughs> follow in, that, in those footsteps. And in fact, uh, the Supreme Court said that no, ex federal taxing power has not been expanded by the 16th Amendment. Uh, so not whatever you had the power to tax before the 16th, you have the same power no more after the 16th. Well, if you look at the, what the Congress did after that Supreme Court case in 1916, you find that they basically retrenched, okay? The, the laws, like back in 1913, those first acts, tax acts, did actually, you know, kind of reach out and grab everybody or, you know, most Americans um, that were out there with an income tax. Then in 1916, there was this retrenchment, this stepping back and, and basically only taxing um, non-resident aliens and foreign corporations and Americans who were working abroad because, you know, as you it probably it kind of matches with common sense that your our constitutional rights are, are applicable, you know, here in the country. But then when you step outside the country or there's a foreigner that steps in the country or maybe on the borders, you know, there's a the constitutional rights aren't don't have the same application. So basically what the Congress did is they're like, oh, we really wanted to reach out and grab everybody and tax, you know, tax the heck out of them. Uh, but now the Supreme Court isn't uh, going along with the program. So we'll still keep these income tax laws here, but we can't, we can't have them apply to as great, uh, you know, a population as, as we thought. And so they retrenched and backtracked so that only Americans in only certain limited circumstances would, would have to pay an income tax. Is that making sense so far? Yeah, um, I get it. I hope, <laughs> I hope everybody else gets it. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's a really interesting, um, it's a really interesting situation to be in. And, 
you know, I hear people all the time saying, you know, yeah, we need to like, how do we fix the country? We repeal the 16th Amendment. And it's like, it doesn't really matter. The Supreme Court has already said the 16th Amendment doesn't do anything. Um, and they, they even pointed out in one of the cases, I think it was um, it was either Bruce Shaver or it was the, the Peck, um, uh, Peck and Lowe, I think, um, or Peck v. Lowe, where they, they said, like, very specifically that, like, hey, we know, like, the before this amendment was passed, there was an income tax. That income tax was ruled unconstitutional because it was it was um, it was a direct and unapportioned tax. Um, and so it was therefore it was like all direct taxes have to be apportioned according to the Constitution. And so what they said is it's obvious that what they were trying to do by passing the 16th Amendment was to try to get around that. Um, they, they tried to create a constitutional amendment that would say we can make direct and unapportioned taxes. But what the Supreme Court ruled was, no, that's not what it did. Um, and what they did rule in a couple of these cases were to say that all this does is clarify that an income tax is not a tax on income. It's a tax. Um, it's, it's an excise tax. It's not a direct tax on the income itself. It's it has to be a, a tax on a privilege. Um, and what's interesting about that is, is when they when they ruled the first income tax to be unconstitutional, what they were saying is basically like if you were to tax um, income from property like like rent, which is what I, I think most of that original income tax was um, mostly focused on things like rent and dividends. Um, if you were to tax um the income from that land, it is the same as taxing the land itself. And so therefore, if you were to tax the, um, the, the money that somebody earns, it would be a tax on the person themselves, um, which obviously in a free country doesn't sound like something that, uh, that should, be, um, should be here. Um, so what an excise tax means, and, and Joe, you can feel free to correct me on any of this, um, what an excise tax means is that you're basically asking the government to grant you a privilege um, and they can tax that privilege. So, for example, if you want to get a job, you have a right to go get a job from whoever's offering a job. But nobody has the obligation to hire you just because you ask for the job. And if you go to the government, and the government says, well, we'll, we'll hire you, but there's strings attached, there's conditions. This is a privilege where we don't just give this job to everybody. Um, then what you're doing is you're creating a, a privileged relationship um, where they can, they can add certain rules. And, and this is kind of a good way to look at it because it's, you're, you're creating this, um, this privileged relationship and the, the privilege is what the excise tax is allowed to tax. So they can't just, you know, if, if you and your next door neighbor say, hey, um, I want to hire you and you can do something, the government's not involved in that transaction at all. So what business does the government have to insert themselves into that transaction and say, you guys can, yeah, you can work for this other person, you can work for your neighbor, but we want to take a piece of that because, you know, just just because. Um, in, in a free society, which is what they were trying to create with the, the United States Constitution, that doesn't make any sense. 
but at the same time, if if you were to have two people um, and they got in some sort of um, business relationship where they have they, they involve the government somehow, um, you know, maybe it's a, through a government service or through a, a special program that the government has, then, of course, the government can set the terms because they're these people are asking the government to become involved in whatever transaction this is. Um, and so. In doing so, that would be a privilege, and they have more authority in such a case to be able to say, well, we're going to create a tax or um, or a fee for the use of our service, which is um, <laughs> another way to look at it, which, you know, and if you look at the difference between like something like a user fee or um, or a tax, usually we think of a tax is something that you have to pay or else you're going to jail, when in reality, like if it's more like a user fee, um, it's no, it's just something you pay or you don't get the service, right? Like if you take your, your letter to the post office and you didn't put a stamp on it, you're not going to jail. They're just not going to deliver your letter. Um, so, it, but, but now we've come into a situation where it's like, oh no, you just want to go on living your life and you want to have a job so that you can earn money to buy food for yourself. Well, you have to pay us for that or else you're going to jail. That doesn't sound so much like a free country anymore. Um, yeah, you've done. I mean, you've done an excellent job of, uh, you know, recapitulating a lot of the, the main points, and uh, especially the, the common sense of pointing out how, you know, in a free country, if they can tax your body, you know, your existence, one uh, percent, they can tax it at, one hundred percent, and and basically make a slave out of you. But if it's based on privileges like being an American working abroad and still having uh, you know certain if not constitutional protections at least knowing that the United States the Secretary of State you know the embassies will <laughs> go to bat for you and let you come in if you're being attacked or you know whatever in other words there's some protections of being an American some privileges uh, but just a, the average American living and working in the United States you're you're not exercising any privileges you're just living out your life uh, with the rights that god gave you and so anyway you did an excellent job because what you're pointing out is when i talked about this retrenchment this uh you know stepping back from wanting or having what they thought was the ability to tax just about everybody uh it ended up they had to retrench and go back to more special circumstances where there are, uh, you know, some some kind of excise taxable uh, privileges that are going on. But what ended up happening was, you know, we're talking about 1916, and you can imagine, you know, how slowly, at least compared to today, information would travel. Um, how many people are paying attention to what bills are being passed in Congress and signed by the president? And so it's only after, uh, you know, having hindsight and looking and seeing the history, because as you pointed out, Dan, when you look at the, ta the tax code of today and it you, refers to somebody called an individual, well, gosh, that I'm an individual, right? I mean, you're an individual, she's an individual. Um, but when you look back in the history of the law, you find out that an individual had a had a limited meaning 
And that individual could have been, for example, uh, an individual who was an American who was working abroad or a foreigner who was, you know, temporarily in the United States or a foreigner who owned property in the United States, rental property or stock or something like that. So to, to, to kind of put it in more of a thumbnail and not, you know, go super, super deep, um, over time, over the decades, in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, uh, the Congress, the IRS, the Treasury Department, they all slowly, ever so slowly, um, took out descriptive words in the regulations or they placed the regulations in far-flung areas within, within the regulations as a whole and basically obscured what the truth was or what the truth is so that the average person in the public uh, couldn't, couldn't figure out the scam or couldn't figure out the lie. And not to say that I had any special, you know, but I mean, being a CPA at one point, uh, having this training, you know, having an accounting degree, uh, when it was shown to me by various attorneys and researchers, I, I could follow what was going on there. I, threw, I really think just about any American could follow along if they had the, the person who's already, you know, been down the rabbit trail show them how it works. Um, and in fact, you know, like on my website, there's information. Uh, Larry B. Craft is an attorney who's done a heck of a lot of research in this area. Uh, you know, there's certainly a lot of other of, of avenues that people can take to learn more. But if they think it's going to be, you know, a cakewalk or something you can just do in a weekend, uh, I'm sure as Dan can attest, that's not going to be the case. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Uh, I, I want to say something else that that is interesting because because yeah it is like a lot of these you know these limited definitions and everything and what's interesting is I get a lot of people asking me like well if if that's the case um, obviously they made a mistake why don't they just fix it and you know uh, it's always weird to try to explain this to them because it's like okay they they can't fix it. Because if they were to take this tax and expand it so that it did apply to everybody, then the tax itself would be complete, completely unconstitutional again, and it would probably have to be repealed um, or, or, or ruled unconstitutional and, and completely removed from, <laughs> from the law books. Um, but it, it's interesting, too, um, uh, to... Um, uh, your, your point about like using certain words. So even if it says an individual or even if it says everybody, right, let's just use the generic word everybody. And it says in there, everybody has to pay a tax. Like it, it's pretty obvious that Canadians don't have to pay the tax <laughs> um, or, or, you know, anyone who lives in, in Russia or Africa or, or anywhere else, like, it's it's it obviously only applies in the United States, and it's it's funny that we all kind of like I, I know this is like one of the issues with all these definitions we tr we like to try to go to the the obvious definition, and if if the um, if the laws themselves 
define something in a very specific way, it doesn't matter what we believe to be obvious. Um, this is like this is what it means in the context of this law. It's very, very specific. Um, but then you also have a jurisdiction issue. So even if it says everybody has to pay, well, like there's still a jurisdictional issue here. Everybody within the jurisdiction of this law, sure. Um, but there's there's a question of what is the jurisdiction of the law itself? And I think this kind of gets gets back to the point of like where we could talk about the constitutionality of it. Um, if if the federal government has no authority to create a direct tax um, on an individual or their income, then they have that's their jurisdiction. They don't have the jurisdiction for that. Um, and so I think that's a really interesting point. Like we have to we have to recognize is they can't just fix the law. Because if they quote unquote fix the law, they'd actually be breaking it even worse, so to speak. That that's exactly right. And they, I mean, I, you you do an excellent job of, of kind of encapsulating it. But I would say just to to put a bow on it that it's so much easier. Or they, you know, the Congress, the the powers that be that really did want to tax as many people as possible. It was, it's been so much easier to just lie to the public and deceive them <laughs> than it would ever be to, to pass laws making it uh, legit, you know, to, to, to make it back how it was in 1913 when they tried to reach out and touch everybody. But as I say, what, why did that 1916 Bruchaber case come about? It came about because somebody said, you know, this this is not uh, this does not apply to me, and the Supreme Court had to rule. Well, you guys, I mean, the Supreme Court basically said, you guys have spent all this time uh, getting the Sixteenth Amendment on here, but I'm sorry to tell you, you don't have any more power after the amendment than you did before it. Right. So let's just sweep that under the rug. Yeah, and just begin the process of deceiving people. And I'm not saying like in 1930 or 40 even there was the, as much deception, but uh, World War II, they had something called the victory tax. And really it was after World War II <clears throat> with all the, I mean, I know there were war debts. I'm not saying that that was made up. But the whole propaganda about the patriotism in um, paying off the war debt and how people, the, the patriots, were those that would allow withholding from their paychecks. And, right. and so, you know, generation after generation, after a while, people start, anyone who was paying attention, which, you know, in, let's say, 1940 or 1950, where would, you know, you'd have to go to a, like, let's say you lived in the Bay Area where I grew up in San Jose, and you had to travel 50 miles up to the, you know, federal court law library in San Francisco to really get deep into the law books. How many people are going to be able to do that? So right. it, it just, it, it, there was the perfect opportunity to pull the wool over the American people's eyes and <clears throat> make them through deceit, intimidation, uh, you know, reading in the newspaper about, you know, Joe or Jane who ended up, 
going to club fed for you know not filing their tax return or not paying their income tax and then you of course you have juries who are just as uninformed as the prosecutors and everyone else and you've got a point you've gotten to a point now where changing the law or or making the law legit would be for these deceivers the stupidest thing to do on earth because lying to the public is working just fine right yeah i mean that's that's an interesting point too like if they did try to fix it that would probably be big news and they would basically have to admit oh yeah this tax really wasn't there the whole time even though you've been paying it but it's there now um and and everyone's supposed to be happy about that and keep going um but i, I think that's really interesting that you you bring up um the 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 patriotism of of withholding because right now they're they're kind of pushing that same line with like with like oh yeah it's patriotic to to pay for higher gas uh because the higher gas prices because it's it's helping ukraine um and, and like even though like uh, it's debatable whether or not that's even related but like they're using they're using that as another political um, uh, uh, I don't know if I should call it a ruse or what, but to to get us to to hand over more money for for whatever case. Um, and it's really like like that really is um, you know never let a, a good tragedy go to waste. Um, they, they do this all the time whenever something happens. Um, you know, like they they rushed through the the Patriot Act after nine eleven. Um, you know, they're they're always ready to grab more money or more power from us. Um, and, and this is just another example of that. Um, and, and I think this is also a really important point too, because like I I, I kind of um, I, I kind of like I was just sitting there thinking one day, like how did, how did we get here? Like how. It wasn't just that, like, you know, 1912, everybody was like, you know, just going about their thing. And then 1913, um, the law was passed. And now all of a sudden, everybody who ever gets a job is filling out a W-2 and having their money withheld and filing taxes at the end of the year. Like, we didn't make that jump. Um, but you did bring up World War II. And I think that's where a lot of that kind of started happening. That's that's where a lot of the propaganda um, for um, you know, to start paying the taxes and, and for everybody to start um, doing their returns at the end of the year really kind of started happening there because before that it wasn't it wasn't really everybody doing it. It was just a very, very few people, right? That's right. I mean, you know, the average American didn't have an attorney uh, to tell them, uh oh, looks like you've been tripped up here. You got to pay an income tax. Uh, there'd be, you know, maybe businesses that had foreign investors or, you know, s certain kinds of special circumstances. And, uh, you know, the lawyers and the, whatever would be the equivalent of CPAs, you know, back in the 30s or whatever, uh, would, would let their clients know, hey, you know, you got to file this form or pay this tax. But the average American had nothing to do with the IRS or the income tax. Uh, probably if there was any federal involvement at all, it was the moonshiners uh, with the, you know, what, what the ATF used to be, you know, collecting alcohol taxes on the prohibited liquor.
Absolutely. Um, so I, I want to, um, uh, I know we've got a lot of people in the audience. Um, I, I want to uh, ask if anybody's got any questions at this point, um, uh, anything that we're talking about or specifically um, anything about, I know we, everybody always likes to ask, okay, so how do I not pay taxes? Um, uh, we'll, we'll definitely start talking about some of that, but if you have any questions, um, about that, if you have any questions about what we've talked about, so what we've been talking about so far or anything else about, um, about the income tax specifically, um, uh, if you're, if you're down in the audience, uh, raise your hand and we'll bring you up. Um, uh, we do like having questions. We do like making this into a Q and a. Um, the room is being recorded, so we just want you to be aware of that. So, so don't say anything incriminating. Um, let's see. Oh, Jason. Dan, I can start off with a question if you want. Um, yeah, actually, let's see. Jason's on his way up. Yeah, Jimmy, if, if you want to go ahead first. Yeah, so Joseph, and it's great, great to finally meet you here at Clubhouse and everything. Um, so at the beginning, you were talking about when you were an IRS agent, and then you slowly went through this process, and now here we are, and I'm loving it, and everything you've said is extremely interesting here today. Um, but kind of how did that transition make? I mean, you're going from working for, for this, what I would consider a very authoritarian organization, um, you know, one of our three-letter alphabets that we don't like, and, and you're working for them to where you are now. How did you make that transition and what kind of went through, went through your mind? Uh, well, thank you for that question. Um, I mean, maybe I'm 59, so I don't know, you know, the ages of the, the audience out there, but I'll, uh, you know, when I was a kid, they had uh, a show, I think it was just called FBI, but there was this actor named Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. And uh, granted, you know, we can all argue probably very well that a lot of this stuff is propaganda. <laughs> planted even in the TV studios and on TV. But nevertheless, uh, you know, when we're talking about the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, really probably prior to Waco uh, or Ruby Ridge, the FBI and these, you know, FBI had really quite a better reputation than it did. And there were, you know, there's still people, I believe, that are there who are very patriotic people. I do find how it, I don't see how, as time goes on, it's become so apparent, you know, with the availability of information on the internet, uh, how many, many of them can sleep at night. But, you know, we're talking back in the 80s and 90s, it, it wasn't as big a stretch for a young person who wanted to get into law enforcement to think, wow, you know, I think I could, I could be an FBI agent and really do good for the country. And, I knew even before I worked at the IRS that the IRS had a bad re reputation, um, that you know most Americans didn't like the income tax, uh, but by the same token, it was a federal agency, you know, or still is, it uh, collects a tax, that's the law, uh, you know, the treasury needs some amount of money to, to function, and so if there are financial investigators who can protect the treasury. Uh, that's, a, that's a necessary duty. And, you know, if, if I can be someone who gives the IRS a, a better reputation by being, you know, a law-abiding person who's 
uh, who's very mindful of their oath to support and defend the Constitution, uh, you know, like, yeah, I, I, I'll take that job. So that was my mindset. Um, you know, what, what kind of law enforcement could I do as an accountant uh, and feel like I was really serving my country in the same manner that a police officer is, you know, protecting his community. So that was kind of my mindset. Uh, I'll admit that there's a lot of uh, naivete there, <laughs> or kind of, a, you know, rose-colored glasses. But, uh, you know, I did have the, uh, the ethics of my profession as a CPA, the morals that my parents raised me with, and I made sure that I retained those uh, even when things got ugly. So, um, you know, maybe there's other people that those qualities aren't as, they're not keeping, you know, keeping hold of them as, as uh, tightly as they should. But they were definitely higher on my priority list than my pension and my paycheck. So when I discovered that there was a, some questions about the income tax and its legitimacy, or at least the legitimacy of the way it was administered and enforced, then I wanted to dig deeper and, and convince myself one way or the other that I was, you know, in the right line of work. Because I also grew up at a time when there was, you know, the Soviet Union and Cuba and political prisoners. And I thought, I'll be darned if I'm going to be, you know, um, a henchman for putting political prisoners in prison. And that's kind of what I ended up finding, you know, that the IRS is about. It's about um, keeping a status quo and having, uh, you know, having people that are sitting in prison to keep the rest of the public afraid, as opposed to people sitting in prison because they actually broke a law. You know, they, they didn't file a form that they were required by law to file or they didn't pay a tax that the law required them to pay. Um, I, all my research showed that that wasn't the case, and so I wasn't about to. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't like federal taxes that are legit, uh, that, that are absolutely enforceable, and the people who evade them, you know, I can't, there's no argument. They, they should go to, go to prison if they've criminally violated. Say, for example, uh, the there are, you know, excise taxes on petroleum, on diesel, uh, on tobacco, on um, distilled spirits. And there are, you know, organized criminals that figure out ways to get people the liquor, the petroleum, the whatever it might be, and not pay a tax on it. Well, that's tax evasion. And you're not going to get, you don't want me on your jury because, <laughs> you know, so I, I haven't like thrown the entire system out or I can just tell the difference between legitimate, you know, constitutional enforcement and administration of tax laws and then, you know, BS, intimidation, uh, you better pay or else kind of enforcement. Thank you so much for that, Jerry. That was a great explanation. Um, just uh, moving on along here, um, we did uh, bring Robert up right away, and if you've got a question, um, we'll take it, Robert, and then we'll move on along to uh, Jason. And Jason's new to Clubhouse, y'all, so everybody give him a warm welcome. Um, but Robert, go ahead, and then we'll move to Jason, and then I am sure Derek will have a question. 
Uh, but go ahead, Robert. Hey, guys. Yeah, thanks. I'm just uh, cooking lunch here for my friend. And, uh, Dan, you know I want to learn as much as I can about this because there's, like, that gray area. It's, like, well, um, I'm still learning on what, like, a excess tax is and stuff like that. And it seems to me that, you know, the government gets their taxes one way or another. The income tax seems to be a different kind of a ball game. But it's interesting listening to you guys. And I'm here for support, Dan. You know, I, I love you guys. But, yeah, um, I don't really have a specific question. I'm just connecting the dots. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks. And, Robert, I know you used to uh, fill out taxes for a, a tax service company. So, yeah. Even that's when right. you don't know, that's, that says a lot, right? Yeah. And um, for sure. Yeah, that's right. Um, just really quickly, that's right. So, like, so since I do do taxes, you know, I, I kind of noticed, like, you know, I, over the 10 years I do taxes, I do, do taxes for Liberty Tax, try to get people as much money as we can from the government. I've never seen anybody get audited. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. Um, you gotta like be making a bunch of money. Um, they try to break down on gig economy. Uh, I gotta pay a lot of money for self-employment tax, you know, just for like a small amount of money. It really sucks. So I'm I'm looking for a way to stick it to them. <laughs> so. Oh, big facts. Well, thanks for that, Robert. Um, Jason, uh, do you have a question or a comment for uh, for Joe Bannister or Dan Berman? To unmute your mic, it, you just click in the bottom right-hand corner. There's a microphone with a line across it, um, if you'd like to ask your question. Actually, it looks like he's not muted. Um, is there a, uh, I know I've seen this before where like some people are, are new and I'm wondering, uh, maybe you need to give permission to the app uh, to use your microphone? If he jumps out and comes back in, it might work. The, this app is really glitchy, but I found if he jumps out and comes back in. So, Jason, if you want to hit, hit the leave quietly button and then just scroll in your house. Whoop, there he is. Hopefully he comes back here. Okay. Uh, while we're waiting on Jason, uh, Derek, do you have a question for uh, Joe Bannister oh. or Dan Berman? It's I, I just want to uh, remind. Uh, <laughs> I want to remind everyone before they ask a question. Um, we are recording, so don't say anything incriminating. And the NSA is listening, so there's that too. Go for it. Second, I'm just checking out here. Of course, Derek has has the Infowars on his screen, so. Um, awesome, Jason, you're back. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. What I was saying um, is, I, I want to think. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I just want to say, uh, <laughs> I made a reminder while you were out, so I just want to make sure you heard it. We are recording, so uh, don't say anything you wouldn't want the NSA to hear. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I want to thank everybody, Mr. Bannister, especially. Um, I guess to just get this out of the way, are you familiar with the Edney Lane Brown situation up in New Hampshire, Mr. Bannister, back in 2007? Yes. Okay. So I was the youngest one involved in that. Actually ended up doing 12 and a half years in federal prison on that. Got out a couple of years ago. But um, I was, I'm curious as to what you've been doing to try to get this knowledge into people's hands. Like, for instance, in New Hampshire, we have a really cool thing where all you need is 25 registered voters to sign a warrant article. 
and it goes on to the town warrant, and people vote on it. It's real old school up in New Hampshire. But anyway, people get in the auditorium of the local school, and they'll vote on these warrant articles. So I had one put forth, which was, where is the word income defined in the IRS code? Where in the code is it written that the average American who does not exercise a federal privilege is required to pay it, you know, so forth. And it got as far as town meeting, and then my local state rep said, no, this is an issue for Concord, you know, et cetera, and we got to take it up there, not at the local town level. So I'm just curious, have you been reaching out to people and trying to get some kind of grassroots stuff going like that? Or uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, part of the problem is that when you have an opposition, and you know this very well, uh, given what you said your circumstances are, uh, when your opponent is has legions of lawyers and you know billions, hundreds of billions of dollars at their disposal, it gets a little tough to uh, get out on offense because you're always running defense. <laughs> and uh, not to mention that you know since since we if we printed money out of nothing out of thin air, then we'd be arrested and prosecuted for counterfeiting. But when the federal government does it. Uh, you know, it's called the Federal Reserve. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I believe I've, I've done my best to try to uh, spread the word to people, but I think things like apathy, uh, things like uh, aspects like the, the, the complexity of the issue. I mean, maybe even Dan, or when, when Dan next speaks, he can comment because... I'm noticing, not that Dan, you know, Dan was a sharp cookie uh, before, sounding like Trump, but he was a sharp cookie before, but, uh, you know, I can tell that Dan's been doing his homework and really, like, you know, uh, zoning in on on these these issues, uh, and it, it's, you know, it's a, it's a steep curve. I mean, it takes a while to, to get that going, but anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I've been trying my best uh, to keep the, the topic alive. Um, so apathy, uh, complexity, uh, just the number of, of issues that are constantly bombarding us. I mean, you know, I'm a big Second Amendment supporter. Uh, I'm, of course, with COVID, but even prior to that, with all the medical deceit that goes on, uh, the medical establishment, the mainstream medical establishment. Uh, it's almost like the income tax issue is just getting buried by more and more issues that Americans and people around the world have to grapple with. And I, you know, to put it in a nutshell, it's like it was bad enough when the banksters, shall we say, and the, you know, the federal government was happy just harvesting us like silkworms, you know, just, just figured out a way with the monetary system to pump our wealth out of us and keep but keep us alive at least barely but now with the with covid and all that it's like you know what they don't even want us around anymore so the priority list you know kind of changes because like in fact a lot of the, the subject matter in my own uh, you know small radio show that i do with some of my colleagues we a lot of our time in the last couple three years has been spent on the covid topic because they're literally, you know, injecting people and people are dying. So I don't know that that's my that's my defense is that it's just I'm just one guy. I also thought, you know, maybe a few more IRS agents would follow me out of the IRS in 1999. 
or I'd settle for 2003 or 2013. But <laughs> there are only two other IRS agents, actually three, that I met. Some of the names you may be familiar with, John Turner, Sherry Jackson, and um, Clifton Deal, I think was his name. Clifton passed away. Sherry's still battling uh, there in the Georgia, in Stone Mountain, Georgia area. John Turner just left the movement without talking to anybody or explaining why he went silent. Um, so anyway, th those are kind of, that's kind of my response. Uh, doing the best I can with the tools I have, but I'm just a working guy like everybody else. I've got a story to tell, but it's only in the, only in the month of May I've had uh, two speaking opportunities. Prior to that, it's probably been a dry spell of, I don't know, two, three years. So it's kind of, you know, do, does the public care that the they're getting scammed by the income tax? Doesn't, not really. I mean, and I don't blame them. Yeah. Anyway. Can I, can I make a suggestion though? Oh, two, can sure. I ask you one follow-up question? Sure. Uh, are you familiar with Pete Hendrickson's work of cracking the code? Yes. Okay. Would you consider him on, on point? Or, I mean, I don't mean to start a whole thing. I just don't know where you stand with that. I, I thought his stuff seems pretty on point. I'm just curious as to your position. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've I have his book. I've read it. I don't can't find anything factually uh, deficient or incorrect. And not that I'm any you know <laughs> guru that who cares what Joe Bannister thinks. But no, I mean, I, I read his book. I know some attorneys who are uh, you know have read it. Can't can't poke any holes in it. Uh, I, I, I have to say, and you know, Pete will probably, uh, go scorched earth on me, but I've encountered a lot of people that follow the program and then they end up getting in a position of like, what do I do now? You know, the IRS comes barking after the refund they got and I'm not blaming it on Pete. I'm just saying I've encountered the people. I'm telling you the truth. I've encountered a lot of people. And then he might say, oh, they didn't follow it correctly or whatever. But it's so I, I just don't see it really as any different than any other way that somebody's going to assert their rights against the IRS, uh, hew to the law as it's written. We all are dealing with an 800 pound gorilla that might be kind of blind and might be kind of stumbling around, but 800 pounds stepping on you still can put a lot of pain in your backside, if not kill you. So, um, you know, I. I I think that Pete has a lot of has a lot a lot of great stuff to share with the public and has, but no matter what you implement, uh, you know I guess other than sitting in your house and not making any money, <laughs> uh, you know we all have to deal with that 800 pound gorilla that might come knocking on the door. All right, thank you. Yeah, I, I think it's um, I think it's worth pointing out too that like, you know, um, and I hate to bring up. Uh, tragedies but i mean um there are so many people who have um especially i don't know if these are happening more more frequently now or if it's just that um with the internet we're finding out about more of them but people are being killed in their sleep by police who did absolutely nothing wrong um whether the police have the wrong address whether you know whether they were there for something that was really insignificant and, and shouldn't have you know brought that much force with them whatever the case like these things happen um 
And so, so yeah, I think to, to Joe's point, like, like, you know, even if you're in the right, um, it's like, if you're, if you're, if you're in the, if you're in the path of the stampede, I guess, um, you're, you're going to get trampled. Um, and, and it's, this is something I kind of learned, um, that, like, cause I was trying to figure out how to, how to do this myself, um, based on, you know, what I had learned, um, in the early two thousands and I did the best that I could. And ultimately what it came around to was, you know, I, w- I went back and forth with the IRS and then eventually I got to the point, just like Joe said, like, what do I do now? And there wasn't anybody that I could call because a lot of this, like a lot of the information I was reading was just online. They're like, it's not like I could have, you know, even if uh, I, I don't even think I had Pete Hendrickson's uh, book by that point. But it, even if I had, it's not like I could just pick him up and call him and say and say, hey, I'm stuck. What do I do next? Um, uh, you know, it, and especially if I had already made a mistake along the way, it's like, OK, well, that that mistake might have uh, ruined every opportunity that I have of, of getting out of this at this point. So. Um, so, yeah, that's that's definitely. Um, that's definitely a big issue. And I always recommend like if anybody's interested in, in trying to do any of this, um, just make sure you're aware of the risks and, and also make sure you can find somebody to help you who's been through this, um, who, who can, you know, help you if you ever get stuck because (laughs) you will get stuck. This is, um, this, this is a, a really complicated puzzle to figure out. Um, so absolutely, I just wanted to add that on. Well, thank you so much for that, Dan, and or Dan Taxation is the Berman. <laughs> yeah, thanks um, for that, and thanks for having this space, everyone. Um, I see a lot down here. Make sure you follow um, the green tent here for Taxation is theft. Um, Dan has talks like this pretty often. Um, luckily, once in a while, Joe Bannister agrees to come on. Um, I do see several podcasters and different things in the room. Um, Joe just kind of set himself up for this, but he hasn't done any uh, real talks on this in a couple of years. So if anybody's looking to get Joe on, I reach out to him. Um, and I, go ahead. I also want to throw out there real quick. Um, Joe does consulting. Um, so um, uh, Joe, do you want to, give a quick little pitch for that. Um, just kind of let everybody know um, what you do and, and how to contact you. Sure, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, generally people seem to be uh, uh, content or satisfied that, you know, I can't, I can't make the 800 pound gorilla go away. The only thing that's gonna make him go away is reaching a critical mass, you know, with enough Americans to where you can overtake, you know, the gorilla. Uh, so in the meantime, in terms of like your, your particular circumstances, uh, you know, what your, the, the best kind of consultations I like are the people that haven't taken any action or any changes. They just are kind of talking in theoreticals. Well, what if I did this or what if I did that? how would the IRS react? And I think that I, you know, my 35 years of experience, uh, you know, I can pretty much tell you how the IRS will react. And yet it may or may not, uh, you know, get an answer that will solve your problem. But I think at least, you know, you'll, 
I'll be able to help you figure out what's likely to happen, how you might avoid it, if there's anything, if there's any way to avoid. So uh, that's generally the kind of consultations I do with just the general public. Um, but I also do forensic accounting for people that have businesses and they get behind in their uh, accounting, you know, they um, or they're getting started with a business. So uh, josephbannister.com is the website for my consulting. Not a lot on that website, but uh, it basically just recaps uh, the general areas where I, I do consult. Thank you, Dan. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for that. Um, we've had um, some others join the room. If you have questions, by all means, uh, raise your hand and we'll bring you on up. Um, in the meantime, we can uh, move on back to Derek. Uh, do you have your question formulated now? And then we'll move on to bootleg. Yep. Uh, go ahead. I certainly do. And uh, first, I just want to give a thanks to Dan, who has opened my eyes to a lot of these, uh, you know, just new worlds, if you want to call them that. And uh, also to Joe, like that is admirable. That is a noble thing, like to work in a profession and you basically figure out what you're doing is wrong and like to speak out against it. Like that's a noble thing. So thank you to you. Um, so two questions, and one of them is just a minor question. Like, what do you think of them changing like the OMB control numbers of like the form 1040 to conceal that it actually pertained to uh, income received on behalf of a foreign person? Like that is shysty stuff, uh, I, I think. So I don't know if that's a question, more of a comment. But the other well, thing- I could, I could comment on that. Yep. Um, and I have I one more question after that, but go ahead, yeah. I mean, just basically, you're you're absolutely right. But that is just like one of hundreds of similar deceitful issues. And it's actually it's not deceitful. It's just hidden. Uh, I'm sure you've based because you've mentioned it, you know, you, you know where to go in the regulations to find out what that uh, I can't remember was it like 1540 <laughs> But there's like an actual OMB control number for the 1040. And then you look at what regulations that relates to. And it's not what people think. So, I mean, the proof is is all over the place. But the problem is that the courts largely, you know, the federal courts will largely just poo-poo any information you give or the IRS will just, they've got this laundry list of uh, frivolous arguments. And, you know, if the IRS calls it frivolous, then it must be, right? You don't ever get a, a jury to, to decide on your on the facts that you present. So I don't want to go on and on, but you're, 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 you're right to bring that up and it, it's indicative of just the incredible deceit that's out there and yet the proof is right there before our eyes but we don't have any way to um, uh, you know the judiciary is is not there to help us and the congress just shuffles it to the irs and then the irs will say oh what's your name again but not to answer your question just to come out and harass you <laughs> so And then the one other thing, it, it, in, in this, because I actually might be uh, moving to a different company, right? And you know what they're going to ask me to fill out if, if I go to this company. Of course, the W-4 form. And I want to ask about this, because this is a corporate America publicly traded company that I'd be working for. If I'm to become an employee, I mean, 
honestly, I'm pretty cynical that I would make any headway saying that, well, I'm not required to fill out a W-4. Like most corporations, it's sort of a lost cause. But the other option, and Dan has mentioned this previously, is the W-2C, I believe, uh, where you kind of dispute the your so-called income and that it actually is income. Do you have any advice for somebody possibly going into a new career for like which method you think might be more effective to uh to to make to make your best case uh for your actual like constitutional path to what actually represents a true tax that like you know the supreme court can't figure out if it's an excise tax or not you know even though it's on an income which should not be an excise tax right um well, you know, there are people that do, I, I really can't advocate for anything because I, I can just tell you what pe people do and basically what I've seen as far as the ramifications. Um, but like you obviously, to get a W-2 kind of job, you fill out the W-4, as you mentioned, and that's where they, you know, it's it's a voluntary withholding agreement, but it's, you know, it's like, they put a gun to your head to volunteer or they won't hire you if you don't fill it out. So, <laughs> so much for voluntary. Um, but what some people do is they, they file an exempt W-4, meaning they're exempt from federal withholding. And as far as the, it runs the gamut, I know people who do it and they end up getting what's called a lock-in letter where they went from uh, nothing being withheld to withholding as a single zero uh, person. So even if, let's say you're married and you've got three kids, the IRS will order the employer to withhold at single zero. So you, you go for several months or a year, maybe longer with no withholding, and then the IRS gets wind of it, and then they order a zero, you know, a single zero. It's not legitimate. Uh, the IRS, as far as I can tell, doesn't have any authority to do this, but there's nobody to check the IRS and stop them. So if you do exempt, you know, it, it's, it's, it's hard to tell how the reaction, if, if there'll ever be a reaction from the IRS. Uh, I know people, or one person in particular, they work for a smaller company and the company owners are um, a little bit skeptical, but they're also kind of seeing that over the years, the IRS is like a paper tiger. And so they, the IRS has sent them blustery letters like, hey, you need to do this and that. And then the employer just sends back a letter with more questions, legitimate questions, and the IRS never answers them. So they just kind of stay in this standoff and the people who work there continue to not have any federal withholding from their paycheck. Uh, the worst case scenario is uh, Vernice Kuglin, Vernie Kuglin, she was a FedEx pilot, uh, maybe the first female FedEx pilot, and she was prosecuted for having an exempt W-4 uh, for criminal tax evasion. She was acquitted, uh, but the IRS ended up harassing her for years after her acquittal uh, she was actually on, if you remember, like uh, Sean Hannity used to be Hannity and Combs. She was actually on 
Hannity and Combs. And one of the reasons that I took a disliking to Sean Hannity many years ago is he actually uh, ripped Vernie a new one for having been acquitted <laughs> of these federal charges of, of tax evasion for not paying any income tax against her uh, paycheck. And, and it wasn't Combs who ripped her a new one, it was Hannity for being unpatriotic. So um, anyway, of course. so it runs all the way from you, somebody does exempt and they are fine with it, nobody ever says anything, to the IRS does a lock-in letter, which then you end up almost worse off than if you had you know, said you're married with three dependents, uh, to criminal prosecution, which hardly ever happens. Uh, but, you know, it's there's no telling kind of how that will end up working. It kind of depends on what you're willing to live with. Um, I do think that the IRS nowadays is really struggling with uh, keeping up with everything. They've got this antiquated computer system from the 60s. I believe the reason they don't change it is because it's so fraudulent. <laughs> and, like, they can't get contractors to fix it because then they have to tell them you know, they have to show them how fraudulent the old one was. Anyway, I'm kind of going on and on, but that's my basic. I've been answer. helping out in that that's regard. Great. <laughs> like, I, I, yeah, I did my taxes on paper, so those bastards, you know, they can manually enter that shit. <laughs> that's what oh, I did. Well, the good good news for you, anybody that still files paper, uh, the IRS just had to uh, shred 30 million paper documents because they couldn't get to it. They couldn't. They couldn't catch up. So rather than, they just knew they'd never catch up on 30 million uh, unreviewed information returns and different things, so they just they just destroyed them. Okay, so when, so, when you send them a check to pay the taxes, like don't they have the same rules we do in paying, like you that you have to cash the check within 90 days or 180 days or something like that? Or do they cash the checks as they come in right away? I'm, I'm just curious, Joe. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I haven't really dealt with that myself in a long, long time. <laughs> but but uh, uh, they do cash the checks relatively quickly. I mean, I'd say... Confirmed. Within, yep. Within yeah. like 10 days, they <laughs> cashed it. Yep. Can I ask they get to those quicker. Can I be in a queue or something to ask a question when you guys get a chance? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, I, I just want to... Um, I, I just want to throw this out real quick and then and then uh, we'll get to your question. Um, uh, yeah, it's so what's what's interesting about that is um, is if they threw away uh, a lot of the documents that were coming in, like the W, uh, the W2s and the 1099s, um, that's really that's really advantageous for a lot of people um, if, if that is the case. Um, and one thing I always recommend everyone to do, because this is something you can't get in trouble for, um, is go to the IRS and get a copy of your transcript. Um, because like all those W-2s and 1099s go into the IRS's system and you can you can look at them and see what's there. Um, and if nobody reported you have any income, well, that's um, I'm not going to tell you what to do about that, but that's interesting. Um, <laughs> do what you will with that information. Um, but that's not something they're ever going to come come back to you and say, "Hey, we know you earned you know this much money last year." If they if that was never reported, and so if this if this is included with all the the paperwork that they just burned, then um, that's actually a really good thing for for everybody. But of course, 
a lot of people who don't have this information, they're just going to say, well, I got a copy of the W-2. So when I file my return, I'm going to send it in. Or maybe they already did um, because a lot of this stuff was was um, even older stuff for the past couple of years. So, um, but uh, yeah, I, I always recommend to, to get your transcript before you do anything. Um, uh, all right, yeah, so um, uh, Valley Girls, did I say that right? Is that is that what that's supposed to say? Yes, Valley Girls, yes. Ah, Valet, okay. Um, yeah, welcome. I, I want to remind you again, uh, we are recording the room, so don't say anything you wouldn't want the NSA to hear. Um, but, uh, but yeah, feel free to ask away. Uh, yes, thank you guys. Um, and shout out to you guys for having this room. Um, yeah, I just have a question and it's, I don't know, it's kind of a combination of a question and a statement because for me, you know, I understand that we're sovereign beings and that tax, we should not be paying taxes. So, you know, I, I want to kind of start some type of campaign to get people to understand that they should not be paying taxes. And I know, you know, a lot of people get so freaked out, like, well, I'm trying to buy a home and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do certain things that they require you to have these taxes. So I'm, I'm just really trying to wrap my head around to get people to understand and push this campaign to at least stop paying your taxes for the next couple of years because they're doing so much fraudulent evil things right now in society paying taxes should be at the bottom of your list because they're using this taxpayer money to do all type of evil wicked things so i'm trying to encourage people you know at least if everyone were to take a stance for two to three years straight and just stop paying taxes and then take back our power to try to reconstruct this government um, you know, because what can they actually do to people if they just decide to stop paying their taxes? Or even if you don't want to stop paying your taxes, go back to your employer and tell them to raise it to the highest limit so they take the least amount of money out, you know, because I just feel like we're if 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 everyone could take this stance for the few next years, then we can really make some demands on what's been going on with the world. And I know people get so scared and saying they can't pay these taxes, but you know, I went years without paying taxes and you know, I went back and refiled them all because I was, you know, trying to buy a house at the time. And but I already know the, the trick of the taxes, but I'm just saying it is possible to go years without paying taxes. And if you do get so scared that you want to go back into their corporate system, you know, um, you can always just make up a, get on a payment plan and pay $50, you know, whatever you can pay to pay it back. But how about take the stand to at least try to get back the power. So I guess my question is, what would they really do to people if they just stop paying their taxes for two to three years? Um, because are they really auditing people? Are they really 
putting people in jail or is that just a scare tactic? Because I mean, most people that are paying taxes make less than a hundred thousand dollars a year and everybody else that got money already, they ain't paying no taxes. So I'm just like, you know, the, 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 the low, the low totem pole of the man, the hardworking man every day is getting his check ate up with all these taxes and then they barely have any money left over but yet and still the government is in debt so i guess i just want to know what can they really do when they talk about these audits and um you know you need to pay your taxes i mean they even want you to try to go back from to 2012 and back to like really nigga i'm not gonna go back and pay no taxes from 10 years ago so i just want to know you know just to try to help people up what can they actually do to take a stance against this, um, these lies and this deceit of paying taxes from what you know on the inside, I guess. Sorry, that was, that was definitely long-winded. <laughs> that was awesome. About that. that was Thank awesome. You. I love yeah. your spirit. Yeah, yeah bless ton, your heart. Ton of great uh, points there. I have to say my battery is almost dead, so this might be the last question I'll be able to <laughs> participate in. But you brought up a lot of excellent points that you know can help me launch on a few different topics. Uh, first off, as far as you know, you saying about the um, immoral things they do with the taxes. I mean, I who many people, any any moral person would have to agree with you. But just keep in mind that that cannot can never be uh, a reason why you don't pay, at least in terms of if you have to uh, defend yourself in court, because the the uh, courts have ruled, you know, way too many times that you cannot, uh, you know, because of some moral or constitutional reason, uh, not pay a tax. Now, if you find that because of the way you've read the law and you found that you're not required to pay, that's a different story. You have the you know if you have a belief based on your research that you're not required to pay that is a defense that you can use but if you say you know they fund abortion or you know as much as i hate abortion or they they fund uh, wars or whatever it might be um that that you can't use that defense the judge will will prohibit you from using that defense and if you still try to uh, the judge will hold you in contempt of court and you know you'll, you'll end up in jail anyway uh, in terms of what people can do, I, I'd encourage people to go to a website um, called GiveMeLiberty.org. And that's a website for a We the People Foundation that I worked with when I first left the IRS in 1999. And it's a huge, I mean, the website is massive in terms of the information that's there. But you'll see the efforts, very organized efforts that were, were made inclu that included myself to try to get people on board with, hey, now's the time to take on the IRS and the income tax. And you'll be able to see how they attacked uh, all the participants uh, with audits, with criminal investigations, um, with all kinds of nasty uh, harassment. And so I'm not saying you know not to, to work towards an effort, but the, uh, the Department of Justice and the IRS have a, a well-oiled machine ready to greet you uh, if you start telling people you know not to pay um, 
again, people do it, and I'm, I'm just saying, like, there's, like, uh, Dan uh, semi-jokingly points out that the NSA is listening. You know, we have such a police state and such a surveillance state that, you know, we really, that's why I, I go for waking people up to try to reach critical mass, because basically, if we never reach critical mass, I don't think we'll ever solve the problem. Um, what else did you bring up? So, hey, yeah, I mean, they can audit you. Liberty. Pardon me? Give me, give me liberty.org. And there's a long history of all the ways that efforts that were made with petitions. And uh, Bob Schulz is the uh, chairman of that organization, did an, an incredible job. But I don't want to say, you know, been there, done that, because we, we never we can never give up. But in terms of learning what kind of what the IRS and Department of Justice might do to you, uh, you know, it's they've they've done it before. They they get injunctions. Uh, they ban books. Yes, in America, books are banned um, by federal judges. So there's a lot of history there, and you might you might you might gain some perspective by going to GiveMeLiberty.org. Um, I think I mean that's all I can remember about answering your question. So, and my battery is like down to 10%, so I might need to excuse myself here pretty soon. Awesome. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, I've probably done this to you before. I always invite you to something and we forget to talk about how, how much time you've got. Um, so <laughs> thank you. Thank you for joining us um, as, as long as you have. Um, it's always awesome to have you on. Um, I'm going to stick around and, and uh, uh, I've actually got some more answers for you. Um, on that last question, um, uh, uh, Connie, do you want to put um, Joe's website back up at the top, just um, uh, so we have that back up there? Um, so if anybody's interested, um, of course, follow me, follow Joe, um, and make sure you head over to the um, to the Taxation Theft Clubhouse and join the join the club. Um, um, I'm going to try to hold these more regularly. Um, hopefully Joe will come back and, and we'll have some other awesome guests and, and discussions and Q and a and everything. Um, yeah, I'd be happy to, happy to do that. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. All right, everybody. Um, Thank you very much for having me. Yes, absolutely. We'll see you around. Thank Take you. Care. And Joseph, I sent you a back channel message and, um, get back with me on that. And I appreciate you coming. Thank you. Sure. Connie. Take care all. Bye-bye. See ya. Um, yeah, so, um, uh, you, those were a lot of really great questions. Um, and, and I, I totally feel you on that. Like I've, I've been trying to figure this out myself. Um, I actually, um, there was a documentary that kind of turned me on to, to this path, I guess. I mean, I was kind of already on the path of, Hey, I'm like, <laughs> it feels like that I'm getting robbed every time I have to pay taxes. Um, what did the government do to earn this money? Um, and and so I was kind of already on that path. And then I found this documentary um, called um, America, Freedom to Fascism, um, which was really amazing. And that's actually what introduced me to Joe Bannister because um, he was he was in there. Um, this was um, I guess this was actually made shortly after um, he quit the IRS. Um, and the director was actually the guy, um, uh, Aaron Russo, who directed Trading Places with Eddie Murphy, which was like pretty cool. Um, Cause it was kind of like, it was kind of like Hollywood was actually, 
I mean, you know, he doesn't represent all of Hollywood, but, you know, Hollywood's kind of like always supporting the government in some way. Um, and I thought that was kind of cool that, that like, you know, this was, this was kind of breaking that mold. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of great information there. Um, and so, and there's a lot of different thoughts. And so like, I, I can't say, you know, for sure what would happen to anybody, but there's, there's a lot of like really hopeful stuff out there. So first of all, like the people who usually get, um, charged and go to jail, um, it's, it's not for not filing, um, and not paying taxes. That's usually for people who are trying to file and they're basically saying, yeah, I got to pay taxes, but I'm just going to make a bunch of fake information on here so that I, I have to pay less, but they're already admitting that they're part of the tax system. And, and so now they're trying to cheat it, um, versus what the other people do is they say, no, I'm not, I'm not part of the tax system. And that's the whole like constitutional argument of saying this tax doesn't apply to me. So there's, there's a huge difference between that. Um, there's Wait, also, on. yeah. Cause I, I know how to file the official way where you do your schedule D to report your capital mm -hmm. gains and like you check box A and B of, you know, uh, basis reported to the IRS or not reported and this and that and all these crazy weirdo sheets. I know how to fill that out. Is that like a form of self-incrimination, do you think? Or is it like... Basically. Um, uh, so so actually, um, uh, I think I think uh, Paymon um, from, from the Freedom Law School um, really kind of pushes that line. And he says that, um, it, like he, he calls the 1040, the, the not the 1040, yeah, the, sorry, the 1040. He calls it the, the 1040 incrimination form. Um, because like one of the questions on there is, are you a U.S. person? And when you check that box, you're, you're basically saying, you know, like we talked earlier about, you know, are you an individual? Are you, you know, do you have a privileged, uh, agreement with, with the government that makes your income, um, an excise? And when you say you're a U.S. person, you're basically saying yes to that. Um, and, and U.S. person, like this one actually has a very specific definition. That one's still in the tax code. Um, and I, I've still been like reading on that and like comparing to how, you know, how they define a U.S. person in the tax code versus how they compare it everywhere else. And it's it's absolutely nuts to see it because it literally just says a uh, U.S. person is somebody who who resides in Washington, D.C. Um, <laughs> and, and it's like, OK, well, you just admitted that you live in Washington, D.C. and then therefore you have to pay this income tax by filing the 1040. Yeah, and that's well, my problem. I know how to do it, quote the right way but it's self-incriminating to even fill it out that way in the first place so exactly it's like, should i just claim zero and then you know let god sort out the rest or like so like, I, I don't know how to do it there's there's a lot of different well let me let me come back to this one because i wanted to get to a couple other points um because because um valet girls was asking some really really important questions like what are they actually going to do right and so um and also you talked about like auditing and all this other stuff i just okay there's so much ignorance about what the irs does that i read i think it was a gq article where they said like um you know the irs knows people haven't paid their taxes they need to be audited that has nothing to do with anything like if they know how much taxes they owe, it's because they've already filed and they just haven't paid. An audit isn't going to fix that. What an audit does is an audit says, okay, 
um, we've calculated how much you owe um, based on the return that you filed. If we're going to audit it, we're going to say, we think that number is wrong and we're going to conduct a big investigation and try to squeeze some more out of you. Um, so auditing does not mean like we're going to go collect that money. But what's interesting about that is that means this like the only people who get audited are the people who filed their returns. You cannot get audited if you don't file a return. Um, but of course, if you don't file a return, what's going to happen? And so if you don't file a return, they'll actually try to file one for you. Now, the good thing about that is they'll never audit you <laughs> um, because, you know, they'll assume they did it right the first time. Um, but of course, what they're going to do is they're not going to give you any deductions or anything else. They're just going to take everything that they know, which is all the 1099s and W2s that were reported about you. And they're going to fill out basically a 1040 for you. Um, and they're going to say, this is how much you owe. They're going to send you a bill. And if you don't pay it, they're going to go straight to your bank and say, hey, this guy owes us money um, with a form that's not, uh, you know, that's supposed to be signed by a judge, but it won't be. They, I know this because they did this to me. Um, they go to your bank and say, hey, this guy owes us money. And your bank is like, well, we don't want any trouble with the IRS. Here you go. So even though the law says that they need a basically, you know, a signed warrant or, or a court order to take that money, they don't have it but they get the money anyways. Um, and they'll do the same with property, with liens and all this other stuff. So so they do have recourse with that um, and and it can get ugly. But to your point, like, and, and you know, what, what Joe said too about, you know, how they're running on these computer systems that are 60 years old and like all this, like they, they just, they, they uh, I think he said 30 million pages or 30, I don't know if it was 30 million returns or 30 million pages, whatever. They got rid of all that paperwork because they couldn't do anything with it. So. To, to your point, if everybody stopped doing it, like a few people would get harassed, a few people would have some of their money taken. Um, but I, I think, you know, if we all came together and said, we're going to do this, I would think the people who got robbed by the IRS uh, would have a pretty big um, safety net with everybody in their community that, that could say like, okay, yeah, you know what? They took your money. So what? We'll take care of you, <laughs> um, you know, because they didn't take ours. And we know that effectively all of us together is creating this like this this thing that's going to stop them from from because they can't take it from everybody. They, they don't have the capacity. Um, and I think that's that might be what it takes to just break that system. And when that system fails, what's interesting is is whenever the government's uh, system is failing, they like to get rid of it. Um, so like the uh, the the what is it? The um, uh, the truth whatever this thing was that they just came out with, um, which, you know, they say lasted less, less time than CNN plus um, like this new thing that they came out with, it was a total failure. And so what did they do? They didn't try to make it work. They just said, okay, we're gonna get rid of it. Now it's probably going to come back quietly, but they know when their systems are failing, instead of, instead of giving the appearance that their system is failing and it's not working at all, what they'll do is they'll say, oh, yeah, you know what? We don't need this system anymore. We're going to get rid of it. There's nothing wrong with it. We just don't need it anymore because okay. they don't want to look like they have no authority. Um, and, and, and that's what it looks like when everybody stops paying. Sorry, uh, Connie, go ahead. Hey, I mean, the system you're talking about, is that the one where they are to report the transactions over $600? No, no, no. I was talking about this, this, uh, the truth, uh, the, the ministry of truth, whatever they're calling it, the, the one that was supposed to be like the fact checking organization. 
the misinformation thing. Well, why did they yeah. put the abortion thing out during that time so everybody talk about it instead? Yeah. <laughs> Probably. But yeah, they, they, they literally came out and they were like, uh, <laughs> our, <laughs> they had a press conference and they said, our disinformation organization is being attacked by disinformation, so we're shutting it down. <laughs> they said they were pausing. Yeah, we can. Pausing it, yeah. Um, and they're totally going to... And I, I, I think that's kind of their strategy, too, sometimes. Like, they'll come out with something really ridiculous, and then they'll they'll take it away. But then they'll come back with something much less ridiculous and be like, see, we're, we're not so bad. We're sorry. We're, we're sorry. We, we were so aggressive in the beginning. And it's like, if they would have come out with this lesser thing first, like, people still would have rejected it. So so it's it's almost like they just went, like, crazy off the wall. So whatever they put up after that is what they really wanted. And that's going to be um, that's going to be enough to to you know serve whatever their needs are. Um, and um, I know we've got lots of um, other questions and valet girl. I, yeah, that's a that's a lot that we can talk about. <laughs> um, Jerry did come up and he's been hanging out here for a while. Um, it's okay. We can move to him and then we can go back uh, to the other um, answering a lot of the other things that were. Or opened under that umbrella earlier. Um, but Jerry, <laughs> opportunity to ask a question. Go ahead. Actually, I don't have a question. Um, I've been interested in this subject for well over a decade. And, um, you know, for me, this was initially the injustice that I saw that was going on with um, Sherry Jackson the other IRS employee when she was jailed. And I just thought, you know, I'm not going to be part of this system anymore. And <clears throat> so I didn't, that was over 10 years ago. And, uh, you know, one of the things I've looked at when it comes to dealing with this issue is just a common law, um, and a lot of it, that influence has come from Carl Lentz. And um, really what I did was just a, a very simple, I'm, I'm not a tax rater at all. Like they said I owed X and I said, okay, if there's somebody there who can has firsthand information, firsthand uh, experience with the, the fact that I owe anybody something, then I'm more than willing to pay it and I would expect that I would get a letter with signed with a wedding wet ink signature, um, basically asserting that I owe X amount and, and they know they can't do that. So it's, it's, this is basically UCC stuff. And, um, so a long time had gone by, this is, I don't know, this is maybe five years ago or something. And then, uh, they, they, we're basically saying I owe something else again. And I said, this is the second and the last time I'm going to ask this question. If you have firsthand information that uh, if there's somebody there with firsthand information that can prove I owe a debt, <coughs> then I'm more than willing to pay it. They never did. Eventually, this is the part that I thought was actually kind of interesting or a little bit amusing they gave the account to uh, some um, 
third-party uh, debt collectors, which I thought was really ironic. I mean, what's the, the biggest, baddest debt collector in the history of the United States is the IRS. And, um, and I haven't heard a thing for a lot of years. So, you know, I'm not saying that anybody else should do this. I'm saying that it, it is worth researching and only moving on when you're hundred percent sure what you're doing. And, and I'll go, and I'll go one further. I was, I, I wouldn't say I was hundred percent sure, but I had already kind of a lot of years ago, just decided that, you know, this is, um, the, arguably one of the largest injustices in the history of this, this country. And uh, I'm not going to be part of it. I just won't do it. And I was, I kind of decided early on, I'll go, this will be the hill I die on. And, um, and so, you know, I, they could get in touch with me again and, um, I'll probably do the same thing again. And, um, but as I say, I, I won't be backing down on this at all. Oh, good deal. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, Dan's right. got his own story of, uh, filling out some, some stuff and, Dan's actually the only person I've talked to that not only got a refund, but interest back from the IRS. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, so they, they, they gave me back everything. Uh, we're talking social security, FICA, like everything. Um, and like 200 and something bucks in, in interest. Um, and then six months later I got a letter from him and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like almost shit my pants. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, they want it back. No, I opened it up and it was a 1099 uh, telling me they were going to report the money that they gave me to themselves so that I would have to pay taxes on it. Um, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, to, to your point, um, Jerry, about the, the um, outsourcing. Um, I'm trying to look this up right now. Um, but I remember reading an article about this and, uh, the IRS, uh, right here, after its first year, the current attempt has resulted in a net loss of $13.3 million with less than 1% of unpaid tax debt collected. So basically, the, the debt collectors are making more money than the, than the IRS is making from the collected debt. Um, and, and the way debt collectors work is they usually uh, work on like a percentage. So if they don't recover anything, they don't get paid. Um, but uh, it sounds like here this is more like they're guaranteed some sort of minimum, uh, which is which is interesting. Um, th this isn't like unique to the IRS, though. I've had um, I've had uh, police departments um, call me where they have like their own little call center in the police department. But then I've also gotten letters. There's there's a big one. Um, I can't remember the name. It's like three three big like lawyer names like really long like four syllable last names um they're they're actually like they're they're pretty popular I, I think they work nationwide but they do debt collections for law enforcement um and so i've gotten basically a bunch of traffic tickets that i refuse to pay on the same on the same basis um and they send them to collections and they 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 call me and they say hey we want money and i say okay, well, under the Fair Debt Collections and Practices Act, um, it, it, first throw that out there, um, 
basically, you know, say the same thing as you. I need I need proof that we have a contract and that I have some obligation to pay some debt. Um, and if you don't have that, then we don't have any business and you need to stop harassing me or you you could be held liable for harassment under the Fair Debt Collections and Practices Act. Um, and these guys generally just disappear. Um, so didn't you just do a room on that? Um, I did one on that a while ago. Uh, but yeah, um, uh, yeah, I've, I've got so many, I, I mean, <laughs> I used to be a speed freak, so I got lots and lots and lots of tickets. Um, and it was always important to try to figure out how to fight them. <laughs> um, but then like, at some point I realized like this, this whole system is like, it's an illusion. Um, it, it's, you know, like they tell you to do something and you do it and, and you end up writing them a check, but it's like what if you don't follow orders? What if you don't do everything they tell you to do? Like they tell you to go to court and it's like, okay, I'm here. What do you want me to do? Go stand in that line, go stand in that line, go to that room, go talk to this guy, um, you know, enter a plea, uh, give us a check. Like how many of those steps are you actually obligated to do? Because these are, um, these are in, in most jurisdictions, like they even acknowledge these aren't crimes. Um, in some places, they like California has it, so they they call it administrative um, jurisdiction, which is which is a silly way of saying it's 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 not even civil. It's basically internal affairs. Uh, um, but it's like if you want to get out of that system, you can because you could say, well, I'm not part of your system, so you you can't you can't like hold me to some administrative um, procedure. Like I, if you're charging me with a crime, let's go to trial. Um, if you're charging me with some civil thing, show me the contract. I would also say you would have to back that up too. Um, I don't vote. I don't take interest. I don't take benefits from the government. And that this is for me, I don't, I can't prove this. This is just what I've learned over time. But I think particularly voting, if there's evidence of a citizen, that's one of them. And so I made sure that that was something I, I don't do any longer because that proves that you're you are part of the system. You are a an employee of the government. I I would disagree with that one. I mean, I, I know I, I I see that it does establish some sort of connection, but um, but I don't know. I I think that would really be a stretch because it's it's um. I mean, I don't know. It, it's 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 a tough call for me. I guess I'm on the fence on that one because at the same time, you do have to declare yourself a resident um, in order to get those voting rights. Um, so so yeah, there's it's it, it's really interesting. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know on that one. I guess. <laughs> I, I can't like the whole I know duty either, thing, and, it's just and then there's yeah that that gives me. Yeah. A like no, the duty that would mean you don't do, which we all want jury nullification on a lot of things, but you know that means no jury duty, no any of these things, which typically they go by the voter rules when they choose juries anyway. Um, Jason um, from down below did just join us, and Jason came back up. So um, can I? Can, can I propose a, a question to to Jerry, if I if I can, Jerry? Yeah, sure. sure. Um, given that, according to the title of this room, tax is theft. 
what what is the um, the the lesser evil, tax evasion or tax avoidance? Well, the, neither are evil as far as I'm concerned, because it's it's the implementation of a fraudulent tax system that's the evil. Um, however, I wanted to make sure that I'm not in a situation in which I'm hiding from the government. I I I d dealt with them head on and they're obviously not interested in doing business with me. So that's, that's really fine with me. So, okay. yeah, so you, you, um, you promote the idea of, of, of tax avoidance as opposed to tax evasion. In other words, work, work within the rules to your best capacity. Yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely. And I, I don't even like the word avoidance. It, it even sounds like uh, evasion. You know, I would say just, yeah, it, yeah, I suppose so. You could say avoidance. Well, I, I would say this, like, because I, I think it's even a little bit different um, because, and yeah, I, I, I talk about this all the time. All, all words mean different things to different people. But so in the IRS's eyes specifically, um, tax evasion is, you know, you owe the money and you're trying to hide your money so you don't pay it. Avoidance is you're, you're still part of the system, but you're going to use you're going to take advantage of deductions and, you know, blah, 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 uh, whatever you do to reduce the amount of taxes that you're going to pay. Um, but I think what Jerry's talking about is a system where it, it's neither of those. It's kind of like outside of that. It's kind of like if all of this is happening on a on like a monopoly board game, like where like, you know, all these things are happening and you can either go to jail or you can, you know, put money in the pot or whatever you're going to do. Like that's that's all in the game. And and Jerry's basically like, you know what, I'm not going to this is a this is a losing game. There's no way to win this game. I'm just going to stand up and walk away from the table and not participate in this game. Um, and, and I think that's, that's kind of a, a good analogy for this because it's like, this, this is like, this is kind of the whole scam They're there. And this is like, the government does this in so many ways. They convince us that we're already sitting down at the table, playing this game with them. And that's just life. That's just how it is. And every single rule that they throw at us or every single like side game or, you know, whatever quest they send us on. We have to participate in that because we're playing this game when the reality is we have so many opportunities where you just stand up and say, hey, that's yeah, it sounds like a great game, but I don't want to play it. Um, and, and that monopoly, and, that monopoly um, sorry to interrupt you, that monopoly comparison is like dead on. That's exactly it. That's, that yeah. sounds fantastic. Um, just to, to reset the room um, and get it back, we had a huge umbrella of things um, ballet girl brought. And I know um, Jimmy had a, a um, question about that. Um, so just to reset, Jimmy, um, did you have a question or comment on that? And we can kind of address yeah. what she brought up. Yeah, ballet girl, you said a lot. <laughs> I gotta be honest with you, I loved a lot of what you said, but some of it I just went, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, okay. Are we being rebels or how do we actually do this by the law where we're not getting in trouble. And the one thing that you said, and I want Dan's kind of opinion on this, is that we would go to our employer and have them take out the least amount of taxes possible. Now, I, as a former small business owner, know that, and, and, and again, I had it happen, where I had um, certain employees of, 
come come that I hired, and they all would would put down M and then like seven or nine. In other words, I have seven or nine dependents. And I'd look at these guys and I'm like, you got nine kids? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, holy crap. Well, okay. Well, eventually we got audited and it turns out they didn't have nine kids. Now, I did not get held responsible for it at all. However, I don't know what actions were taken with them, but they were no longer employees by that time. So, you know, anyways, my question, Dan, if you go and you say, okay, I have nine dependents, aren't you being fraudulent in your statement? Or is part of that, that filling out that paperwork, just going, I only want to pay this amount of taxes, which I don't want to pay also, any taxes. <laughs> how, how many years yeah. has Dan spent in prison for tax evasion? <laughs> none, none so far. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, well, yeah, there's so many things to say about that. Like there's, it's possible. I'm just, they haven't picked me yet. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, at the same time, I'm, I'm not, um, as far as I know, I'm not committing fraud on, on any of the returns or papers or anything that I'm, that I'm filing. And I do have to file, I mean, aside from the fraud, the fraud that's in their benefit by saying I'm a U.S. person, um, which I, I'm obligated to do in order to get the job. Um, but I, I think like, so, um, uh, man, that's a, <laughs> a lot to unload. So yeah, technically if you're saying you have all these extra dependents, yes, that's technically fraud. And that's one of the things where if they really want to, they could just put that in front of a jury and be like, he lied on this form under oath. Um, this person's going to prison. Um, and, and like now it's not even about whether or not you paid anything like you could have a return coming and like it won't matter um or you know you could owe them money and maybe you can negotiate and say okay if you uh if you pay all this money that you know you owe us with your zero dependence um recalculated blah 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 then you know then fine whatever but i think also like the the withholding is less of an issue if at the end of the year you balance the stuff out anyways and so, so basically, like when you do your return at the end of the year, you're going to be asked again, how many dependents do you have? Um, and if you say zero, um, and then, you know, you like now what's going to happen is you're going to have to end up sending them a check because uh, they're going to say, oh, well, you said you had nine, so we didn't withhold enough. So, you know, they're not really going to care as long as they get the check. Um, and, and they're not going to go back and say, you know, oh, well, you know, you filed the return right. Uh, I, I doubt they would ever go back just to the w4 and 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 you know and do that and actually as a matter of fact um i don't even think they would know because the the w4 is i don't think that's even submitted to the irs i think it, i think your employer not, yeah it's not that's why yeah I, i've got a lot of people to do that um a lot of the gals i used to work with would um would claim zero or even um like a negative one even if they had kids like all throughout the year because they like to get a good tax refund but then come say the first check in december or maybe the one right before thanksgiving they'd go in and change their withholding online to nine so they weren't taxed on it and then they would go get the kids christmas uh, whatever so they, so they use the irs like a savings account that's what they did yeah and that uh, that was on them and that's what they do but there was, um, from my understanding, it was something that the W-4 is just with the employer and what yeah. they 
to do, and the W-4 itself is not something sent to the IRS. The problem would be as if you did it later and claim nine dependents, you know, your dog, your goat. Right, on your return, yeah. That was my understanding, but I could be wrong. Um, but I knew plenty that, that used to kind of do that. They'd claim zero, even though they may have had, you know, two, three, four kids. Um, they would claim zero to make sure they didn't have to cut a check at the end of the year. And they kind of... Thanks for, thanks for clearing that up, then. That was yeah. Yeah. So thank you. I know people that have claimed, ex back when they used to have it on paper, um, I know people that claimed exempt for like 10 years straight and weren't getting any taxes out. But then when they would, went to file, they would just put in a number and, you know, just like Dan said, they would just add up what you owe based off what you put in at that time when you filed. But there wasn't no going back like, hey, you've been claiming it's exempt for 10 years, you know, but now they have it all digital. So you, it's not, well, most, you know, major corporations, it's digital now. You don't fill out a paper, um, you know, it's electronic, but um, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that's always the thing, right? Like, like if, um, I mean, that, that's what, that's what gets you in jail. It's, it's not the not, not filing. Um, like I said, if you don't file at all, they'll file for you and then they'll just come get the money. Um, they, they can't throw you in jail for that because that's not actually a crime. Um, uh, although one thing worth pointing out is, um, is if you have a corporation and you're supposed to file and you don't, then, then that is a crime. But if you're, if you're just a person, um, and there's no corporation and you don't file, there's no, there's like, there, there is a crime called willful failures to file. Um, but that only applies to corporations, not to individuals. So if you don't file the worst that's going to happen, and it's still pretty bad, the worst that's going to happen is that they're going to, they're going to come around and say, Hey, uh, we just realized you didn't file a return and you owe us money. Um, and then they're just going to assume it's theirs and take it. Um, there are all kinds of like statute of limitations, which are good to know. Um, I think it's seven years for an audit. So if you if you filed a, a bad return more than seven years ago, you're in the clear. <laughs> um, if uh, if there was um, some some taxes that were assessed more than ten years ago, they're gone. You don't have to pay them. Um, which you know, I know you brought up the 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 payment plan, which is which is good to get them off your back for a little while. Um, but it does push back the statute of limitations. Um, well, actually, I, I shouldn't say that. Um, the, at the time when you make the agreement to make the payment, it could push back the statute of limitations, but I don't think every payment that you make pushes it back. Um, at the same time, a lot of people get a really bad deal where they want you to pay every month so that it's less than the interest. So actually your balance keeps going up every month, but um, that that depends on a lot of different factors. Um, there's also a non-collection status where if they do send you a, a thing and say, hey, you haven't paid taxes in a few years, you can say, oh, well, I don't have any money now. I don't have a job, uh, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and they'll put you on non-collection status, which, um, which I was on um, for, uh, 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 I was on, let's see. I mean, I guess I was on it for 10 years. Um, and I, here's the thing when I got on it, they asked me like, you know, do you have a job? No. Cause I didn't. 
Um, you know, they asked me a bunch of other questions. And so I, I didn't have to lie because um, if I did, that that probably could have gotten me in prison if they ever found out. Um, but I didn't have to lie. And and I just told them, yeah, I don't have a job right now. Don't really have any money or property. Um, and they were like, OK, we're going to put a lien on you, which is weird. But because uh, a lien goes on property, not on people. But they did it. <laughs> they put a lien on me. Um, but I got a job after that. And they didn't like go after it because I was already on non-collection status. I didn't have any obligation as far as I know to, to notify them that I was making money and to ask them to take me off non-collection status. Um, so this is potentially a real option for a lot of people. If, you know, if you're going to do the exempt, um, and just not pay, um, although exempt exempt itself could be a problem depending on, um, you know, like we said, the, the, the W4 isn't, isn't turned in, but, uh, I don't know if that can be a problem or not, but, well, because um, you still have to fill it out, right? Like, th- it, and this is the quandary. This is, right. do you perjure yourself by filling out that well, form? Well, that's playing the monopoly or do you, game. You know? well, or do you fail to file? Like, it's well, like picking poison, right? Here's an interesting thing. Um, and, and, of course, you can't do this now because it is all electronic. But if you, if you do get a paper uh, W-4, um, you can say under duress, on your, like when you sign it. Um, you can't do this on a 1040. Because uh, if you if you submit one of those, the IRS will actually charge you five hundred dollars for submitting a frivolous return. Um, but if you do this with a W four, which doesn't get submitted to the IRS, you, there's not really any problem. And you can say under duress, and then it can never really be used in court against you because um, you just signed it because basically someone was putting a gun to your head. Would you recommend specifically putting a clause in there that it was under duress? Yeah, I mean, I'm like, you, can put, you know what you can put? You can put on your sign in front of your signature NA, which means not a sumset, which pretty much invalidates the signature. There you go. Um, I've heard of other people writing uh, UCC something. Um, there's, there's a number that goes after that uh, to say that it's part of the, the and then uh, without prejudice. Um, which basically says that you're you're allowed to withdraw your signature um if you want at any point um so yeah there's there's a lot of different options um and and i think a lot of that i guess you know the safety in that is that it doesn't go to the irs so it's not it's like that in itself won't set off any flags the broader Um, answer is just do like do exhaustive research you know i I can't can't emphasize that enough it's just that you know i had been in following different people in the movement and you know until it until i got to carl lentz and some other people about when it comes to kamala that simplified so much and it really like dan was saying it it takes you out of the game because you know i, I yeah i don't want to go this is just a vast subject and and as i say the common law approach really simplifies it and isn't that all rights reserved? Um, yeah, UCC, yes, the UCC. 1-308. Um, so that's just one thing that I feel that, you know, more people need to learn about. I personally need to learn more about because when I hear people talk about the straw man and freeing yourself from these corporations where they put your name in these all block letters meaning they don't even recognize you as a human you're technically a corporation that to understand your sovereignty is to really understand the blacks laws dictionary 
and that uh, UCC law um, because you know all the all the, every time you sign something you're pretty much agreeing to participate in their matrix of um, yeah. full BS so to speak um, so yeah but, well, but it's important yeah, to remember the distinction there. between it's important to remember the, the distinction between men and women and persons persons like our corporations corporations are persons they're they're entities within commerce and so to, that's the distinction I've always make it a point to say because you know I can it's the thing I can prove you know there are artificial persons there are there's different uh, distinctions um, of what persons are but then they're, they're not you and, and that's the important to me that's a really key aspect here absolutely and the key point also is that you said that the w-4 does not necessarily go to the irs but the w-2 would yes is, is that accurate? yeah but yeah but you don't put anything on the w-2 so it's it's not um it's not your responsibility to or i guess you can't be held um liable for any information that's on a w-2 because you didn't send it in um so somebody else sent it in they're basically what they're doing is they're testifying against you they're saying hey um derek was working for me and he's got some money that needs to be taxed um so you better go after him for those taxes and, and they will um especially if they come to you and say, hey, uh, this person says they gave you some money and it needs to be taxed and you never tell them, no, it doesn't need to be taxed. It's it's not, uh, I'm not part of this uh, income tax arrangement that you guys have. Um, and so like, I, I don't need to be paying that tax. If you don't object to it, they're like, and this is the problem. Like when you say like, oh no, I've got more deductions or I've got dependents, you're basically saying, yeah, okay, it's true. I, I earned some money and it's taxable, um, but let me try to like figure a way out of it instead of saying like, no, 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 you, get, you got it all wrong. <laughs> None of that money they gave me was taxable. Um, I, I'm not part of that system. Um, and, and when you do that, it's it's a completely different game you're playing. Yeah, never leave the, the assumption that you're a taxpayer, like never let that go unchallenged. Jerry, can I, uh, just another question. Sorry, I'll try not to take it off topic, Dan, um, if that's okay. Sure. <clears throat> With all this new technology like blockchain, and <clears throat> I don't know if you've covered this earlier because I've just come into the room now, um, how do you see the the tax office kind of regulating crypto if you've, if you've got any insight into that and, and, you know, and, and, you know, also just the issue of privacy and blockchain and, and just a conversation around that or am I just running off topic? Sorry, sorry. I, I, no, I think that all comes down to reporting also. Um, I mean, when you like, there's a, there's a field on the, uh, on the 1040 forms now that say, do you own any crypto or have you owned any crypto this year? Um, they're expecting for you to, to rat yourself out. Um, they have ties into all the exchanges. Like the, the exchanges are supposed to be reporting, especially if you bought some crypto and sold it for a profit, um, they're going to report it all to the IRS. So uh, it, like it, it's, it's all based on that reporting system. But if you started, um, 
And I know, like, you know, they say they say Bitcoin transactions, like the blockchain can be analyzed and, and blah, blah, blah. And they can trace and see where all these transactions are. Yeah, that's true. But they're they're probably only going to do that for like criminal investigations. As far as the IRS and what they're trying to do, um, they, they probably don't have the power for that. And there's there's so many easy ways around it. So once your once your money is in the blockchain um, and especially if you bought some Bitcoin from somebody in cash, you know, like an in-person whatever like that that's that's there um they they might have some way to track it but they're all they can track is money changing hands at that point and why was money changing hands was it because of a, a labor agreement or did you buy something um because uh you have a fifth amendment right not to tell them what you did in any of those transactions um and if they can't prove that you know any of these transactions happened as a result of some uh something that that you know was an excise, uh, then you know what what information do they have to tax it? Their their entire system is dependent upon um, everybody snitching on each other um, to to get enough information to to steal your money. People move wallets all the time because they're worried that their key was compromised too. So, yeah, you know, just just because there's a transaction yeah. doesn't mean. What are you going to tax that? <laughs> In my country, we have a saying. If there's no 1099, it never happened. There you go. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's 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 really what they what they depend on. Um, yeah, and and I think um, uh, Jason and Valet, like both, like um, uh, you guys are are obviously like uh, very passionate about spreading this information to a lot of people. I am, I am too. Um, this is, um, I mean, you know, like Joe said, like we, we have to reach a critical mass because I totally agree with that because like, ultimately, like when I, when I go around and I tell people I don't pay taxes, um, there are some people who are just like, yeah, that's fucking awesome. Teach me. And then there's everybody else who's like, oh, you're a criminal and you're the reason, you know, kids can't go to school and blah, blah, blah. Like, and and there are a lot of people who are out there that think, you know, people who don't pay taxes are just the scum of the earth and criminals. And they don't realize that, that this is just a big fraudulent scam. Um, and it, it, it like I, I really think that's a huge hurdle that we have to get over. And, and I've, I, I, I've, I feel like I've made a lot of progress in that by showing them, uh, you know, a, a lot of the things, and as Joe pointed out, this, you know, this isn't a, an argument you can use for not paying the tax in court, but it is a really good um, way to get people on your side by saying like, oh, like every time you pay a tax, like that's buying a bomb or that's buying a bullet for a cop to shoot some, some unarmed kid. Um, or it's, you know, it's, it's paying for the drug war to throw some, some, you know, some harmless little pot smoker in prison. And then we have to pay $90,000 a year to keep him there. Um, you know, you, you bring all these issues up that people actually really hate that the government does. And you tell them like, the only reason the government can do that is because we're being forced to pay for it. And we can't stop if we want to, if we had the power to stop paying, then they wouldn't be able to do all these things. Um, and so we need to take that power back. Hi, Dan. Yeah, that power is conviction, you know. Can I add in that it, all good ideas do not require force? Absolutely. Um, Hi, Dan. May I ask a question? 
Yeah, absolutely. Hi, um, I just stumbled into the room and I'm very glad I did so informative in the last few minutes. I hope I I don't ask a question that may be redundant of something you covered previously, but just a quick question. Um, at work, I went tax exempt for a couple years. Um, wait, 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 hold on. Let me give you let me give you the disclaimer. Um, <laughs> the room is on replay, so it is recording. So don't say anything you don't want the NSA to hear. Oh, yeah. No. So in general, I just want to be <laughs> someone had uh, owes a, a significant amount in back taxes. Um, isn't there something I was researching about uh, for a few years um, after a certain amount of time they can't collect? Or is that? Yeah. Is that so, yeah. So there's there's statute of limitations. Um, so um, the, the way it works. So, like, uh, if you're talking about, like, taxes that have been assessed, it's. 10 years from the time it has been assessed. So um, they could be taxes from, let's say the taxes were from 2000 and then they were assessed in like, let's say 2003, um, then they have until 2013. So the 10 years comes from when it was assessed and assessed means basically either, either um, a person filed a return or the IRS fire, filed a return for them. And so that, so like the taxes, the, the money was earned in 2000, the return isn't usually filed until 2001 or, you know, a few years later, and, and it's 10 years from that second time. Um, and after that 10 years, uh, then basically they're, they can't collect on that money anymore. That's, that's basically, they have to give up. Okay. And thank you for that. I just have one more follow-up question because I don't want to take too much time on your stage. Um, let's say this individual originally, this was several years ago, made a payment arrangement and they paid a few months automatically, you know, a small amount every month to satisfy the debt out of fear of getting like, you know, payment garnished and that sort of thing. So does that right. start from the last payment that defaulted that they no longer paid or when does it start? I'm pretty sure it still starts from assessment, but I know what you're getting at because like normally, um, like when it comes to like any other sort of debt collection, it's from the time the last payment was paid. Correct. Um, but that's more of like a contractual thing. And the, the statute of limitations is usually only four years for that. Um, that's something I'm not entirely clear on, but um, I would, um, um, message me afterwards because I like I've been asked this question before and I, I do want to know. Um, so if you send me a message, I'll, I'm, I'll, I'll look it up and, and figure it out. Um, but I'm pretty sure if I if I were like on uh, who wants to be a millionaire right now, I would go for the answer of 10 years from the from the time it was assessed and not extended by the. Um, uh, well, <laughs> Yeah, no, but I, I also kind of want to say it might be 10 years from the time that the um, that the payment plan started because you're reassessing it at that gotcha. point. So it could be extended a little bit, um, but yeah, it's um, I'd, I'd have to look that up. Appreciate it. Thank you. Dan, can I mention um, something? Uh, uh, yeah, let me just say uh, for anybody in that position, um, it's also worth looking at uh, the non-collection status. Um, if you are not currently employed, um, they basically ask you a bunch of questions and they put you on non-collection status. They file a lien with your with your county um, recorder's office, which ends up on your um, on your uh, credit report. Um, 
they did that to me. I actually just wrote to the credit companies and said, Hey, I don't know what that is. And it just came off. So, um, uh, I don't know if I just got lucky or what, but, um, but that happened, but yeah, they basically, they, they didn't, they didn't, they sent me a couple like accounts, like accounting things saying like, yeah, we had a little bit of interest, but like never got any phone calls. Uh, never went into my bank account after that. Never, never tried to garnish or anything. So, um, that's that's an option to to look at also thank you sorry uh, I, 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 go yeah go ahead no I, I almost cut someone off a second ago was that you oh well, i see um jason and miking so i think he might have a comment on that and i know he's got some experience so um go ahead jason yeah i don't really want to spend too much time on just the minutiae of how to get around this and that. I think we're kind of past that point, especially from what he was saying earlier. If they're going to target you, they're going to target you. Um, what I do want to mention is there's a group called the National War Tax Resistance Coordinating Committee. Now, I guess you could say they're generally a bunch of lefty old hippies, but from what I've seen, it's a bunch of old ladies, and they're really cool if you write to them. They'll write you back and tell you everything. But their whole thing is we're not going to pay the federal income tax because it funds war, and they have a really good infographic they put out every year showing how much of the federal budget goes to the, the military, essentially. It's really well done. But their whole thing is they blatantly tell them, listen, we're not paying. Arrest us if you want, whatever. And they generally just leave them alone because they're just old ladies, you know. So that's one tactic. <laughs> it, 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 you should look into it. National War Tax Resistance Coordinating Committee. It, they're really open to talking about everything. And it's cool having a whole bunch of lefties that are just like, you know, I'm not I'm done with this. Um, what else? National you know? War Tax Resistance Committee. Coordinating committee. Okay. Yeah, they're cool. Um, and the other thing awesome. I want to say is concerning uh, getting the word out, I think the best way you can do that is by running for local office on this as a platform. That's what I'm going to do. In New Hampshire, we have 400 state reps. So you, it's not that hard to get in if you have a semi-decent platform. Um, so the point being, oh, wow. I think even if you don't even if you don't intend to, yeah, we have the best ratio of anywhere. We had 13 state reps sign a petition, I'm sorry, sign a resolution saying that they wanted the citizens of New Hampshire to be able to vote if they want to leave the union this year. We're the, we're the only state that got that far in the whole secession <laughs> movement. Yeah, we're, we're doing good up here. But New Hampshire rocks. Uh, yeah, but uh, the point being is that I think if you don't know what to do and you're saying, well, I want to get the word out, run for office on this. Knock on a couple doors. I mean, that's how it's going to get done. It's not going to be some kind of national coalition. It's going to be a localized kind of thing. So that's just what I wanted to do. Would you give up your salary for that platform as a politician? You know, in New Hampshire, get this. The state reps, is 400 of them. They make $100 per year. And the senators <laughs> make 150 I believe it is, per year, dollars. Because nice. New Hampshire's a Oh, did we lose you? Or did you lose me? Not, nope. I, he got cut off or something. Hey, Jason, we're going to be doing... Yeah. Uh, whenever this room does end, we're going to be doing a wrap-up party over in another room. So, Jason, I'd love for you to join. Yeah, and actually, I was I was about to say, um, we've, uh, <laughs> we've been going for quite a while. Um, so, I think we are going to wrap up the room pretty soon. Um uh, I guess let me just um, uh, ask again, anybody interested um, uh, in this issue, um, in this topic, make sure to follow the room, make sure to follow me. Um, I'm going to I'm going to be doing this a little bit more frequently now and and uh, we're going to have some really awesome guests in here. 
uh, talking about um, all kinds of information. And, and yeah, I, I, uh, I think uh, I don't remember who said it. I think Jerry might have said it. Um, yeah, you really need to learn. Like if you really want to get involved in this, you really got to learn, learn, learn a lot of information. Um, learn it so well that you can start sharing it with other people. And actually, that's a great way to help you um, uh, to to learn it um, is to help sharing it. Um, I guess uh, I guess, uh, like I said, I got it wrong in the beginning myself when I tried to stop paying taxes. But um, having these conversations and starting a podcast and, you know, trying to teach other people everything that I knew really helped to um, learn, learn a lot more and, and understand it a lot better myself. Um, so this is, this is really what we need to do. And I know there's so many other important issues out there. Um, but one of the reasons that I think this one is so important is because this is the, like every, everything that the government does that pisses us off, it's all paid for by our taxes. This one is the root cause. We got to fix this one. Um, this is, this is how we take the power back. Um, it's, it's a big machine. It's out of control. Um, this is how we take the power back. So, um, so don't forget to follow me, follow the room. Um, and, um, I guess, uh, we have a couple minutes if somebody else just has, um, has another question. I know we still got a couple of people down in the audience, um, who haven't come up to speak yet. Um, if we have any new questions, of course, like I said, uh, don't say anything. You don't want the NSA to hear. Um, but, um, we definitely welcome everyone to come up here. Um, I have, and ask a, I have question. a question. I have a yeah, go ahead. question. Yeah. First of all, I just want to mention I did back channel you uh, something separate kind of question if you just want to take okay. a look at it. Um, but uh, in general, is this more of a like a loopholes kind of thing or I mean, are you filing or 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 just not paying or how, how does it work? So, um, so. Uh, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to, trying to think of the short version of this because so, we did talk about this a lot. Um, and it is kind of a, a complicated subject, but I guess the short version would be, um, uh, in the late 1800s, there was an income tax that was ruled unconstitutional by the Supreme court. Um, that caused them to try to get around that by writing the 16th amendment. Um, the courts, the, 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 the Supreme court ruled several times after the 16th amendment that it didn't give congress any new taxing power um so basically what was illegal then is still illegal now and so they have this tax now that what they've done is it applies to a very very limited scope of people and that's things like residents of washington dc um uh, uh foreigners living in the united states um uh you know th things like this very very limited employees of the government um, very limited scope. And what they've done is they've tricked everybody into filing and paying this tax that not everybody's supposed to pay. Um, and wow. we've gone over lots of examples of, of people who, um, who basically don't pay. Some people say don't file, but you, you still have W2s and 1099s that are getting submitted that you have to, um, you have to address with the IRS. Otherwise they'll assume that, you know, that you just didn't pay your taxes and they'll come and take it. Um, there are other people who say, no, you do file. And with that filing, you correct all the W-2s and, and 1099s. Um, so every, there, there's different strategies out there. Um, this isn't about lying on your taxes and, and breaking the law and doing any of that. It's really about understanding what the law is and who it applies to and understanding that it doesn't apply to you um, and, and using that information to, to basically get the IRS off your back um, and keep your money in your pocket. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm gonna check into it. Is that the section fifteen or something at the end where you you make adjustments? Would it be would it be that? Uh, no. So so this is actually so your um you can look at your taxes as a sum of your income minus your deductions, right? So what um what people go to prison for is for trying to add a bunch of fake deductions and and because these forms are all signed under penalty of perjury. When you do that, you're committing fraud. Um what what other people will do is say no, that at, we're not going to adjust the deductions. We're going to adjust the in, the income, the the money that's supposed to be taxed. We're going to adjust that to maybe it's zero, maybe it's a little bit more than zero. Um, but to say that the money that I received at my job, I'm not an employee. So that money, I'm, I'm not an employee according to the definition of an employee in Title 26 of the tax code. Um, and so therefore, um, I didn't receive $30,000 in income. I received $0 in income. Um, and so whether you file or not, you're letting the IRS know you don't have any taxable income. So there's, there's no tax to be paid. Mm, okay. Uh, so yeah, sense. definitely. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, I, I'm going to look at it. I'm definitely going to look at it. <laughs> Sounds interesting. Um, um, I, I want to give another, another good plug to a great website that has some really good information on it. Um, it's livefreenow.org. Um, there's a guy, Paymon, who runs it. Um, he's been he's been at this since the 90s. Also, um, he's the the IRS um, was openly investigating him for like 13 years and they finally just gave up and said, we don't have anything. So um, so he's he's very legit. Um, he's actually the guy who has a three hundred thousand dollar bounty um, for any like if anybody can find the law that says just average Joe has to pay. Um, income tax. Uh, he's got a three hundred thousand dollar bounty, and and that's it started at ten thousand, but it's been out there for for at least two decades, and nobody's been able to collect on it yet. Um, so, including um, <laughs> former IRS agents that have abandoned. Uh, that's how we started out this room. Um, uh, my good friend uh, Joe Bannister was in here, who's a former IRS agent who who takes this position also now, um, and says, "Yeah, we're not supposed to be paying this tax." Um, so, and, and there's been a few other um, IRS agents as well. Um, lots and lots of people um, I mean, helping you share can, this information. You can actually retroactively adjust your taxes though, right? So um, can you, can that you depends. Uh, that depends. So uh, in different, um, uh, and we we're just getting ready to wrap up the room. And I know like we're going, we're going like all the way down. I'm the so hole. sorry. So let me, let me do this. No, no, no. It's totally cool. Cause I love the questions and I love to say it over and over again. Um, but I, I know like, uh, I'm going to keep answering questions and this is going to go on for another hour. <laughs> so, um, let me say this, actually, what you might want to do is listen to the replay of this room. Cause I, I think we're going to answer a lot of those questions. Um, and then check back. Um, we should have another room, um, probably sometime next week. Um, and come back, we'll start another room and, and, you know, um, ask all the questions again. Um, cause like I said, I, you know, I enjoy having these conversations. I enjoy answering the questions over and over again. Um, and, and if we weren't out of time, I, I would keep going. Um, but also I think if you listen to the replay, you'll, you'll probably hear a lot of, a lot of answers to the questions you're asking. Um, but, but also check out that, that website, livefreenow.org. 
Um, you can check out my website, taxationstuff.info. Um, that's got a free download on it. That's that's a lot of it's like merch that you can buy that says taxation theft all over it. But there's a free download that you can get um, that uh, that has a lot of this information. And what's what's interesting about this is so the download I have um, was uh, was written by a guy who uses more of like the um, the Pete Hendricks method, which is the the file and get all your money back. Um, the, the freedom law school, which is the livefreenow.org, He has more of a position of don't file, um, and don't pay. And, and, um, uh, I don't know if he gets your money back if you've already paid for, from withholding or anything. Um, but I, I think he, I think he might. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're, they're different strategies. Um, they're all based on like different nuanced positions. Um, I think, but, um, in general, it's all it's all fundamentally the same, uh, the same kind of information. Um, and and also like you know, um, I, I want to point this out again too. Uh, there's a lot of bad information out there. Um, you know, there's there's like um, you know, so many people have tried so many things. Um, uh, we were just talking about the 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 um, the war. Uh, what was it the the war resistance, war tax resistance? Um, those arguments don't hold up in court. And what's, what's uh, interesting is, um, is uh, I, I think the gentleman who was talking about that left, um, oh no, that was you, Jerry, wasn't it? Um, uh, so what's interesting about this is, is it sounds like the IRS isn't even like bothering them. They're like, you know, who cares? Um, but if they were ever to, to be taken to court on, on, on that issue uh, on not paying taxes um as joe said earlier like that's that defense is just not going to work in court um and there are plenty of others that are out there and actually if you go to the irs's own website they list out a lot of um they list out a lot of um they call them frivolous arguments um and what's interesting is if you read those it sounds like oh yeah this is all just total bs right and everything that i'm saying is a lie um, but when you start to get this stuff, when you start to get to know this stuff a little bit better, better, and maybe, maybe we can go through that website next week. Um, when you start to get to know this stuff a little bit better, you start to see like the nuanced little, like the way that they word things on their website to say, um, that things are wrong is completely, is completely wrong. So like, um, when, when I was saying, you know, that the, the Supreme court basically said the 16th amendment doesn't do anything. What they say on their website is the 16th, like people say the 16th amendment is unconstitutional or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that the courts have struck it down. That's no, that's not true at all. <laughs> we say that, that, and they'll even mention the Bruce Haber course, uh, uh, the, sorry, I'm starting to lose my speech here. The Bruce Haber case, um, where the Supreme court said, yeah, uh, this, this amendment doesn't do anything. They didn't strike the amendment down which is what the IRS is claiming on their website, they, nobody's claiming that they struck the, the 16th Amendment down. What the court said was that the 16th Amendment doesn't change anything. It doesn't give the government the power to create a new income tax um, other than whatever it could have before. Um, because the issue before with the previous tax was that it was a direct unapportioned tax. Um, so yeah, like their their entire website, it's it's like that. Like they try to they try to justify arguments that are, not really the the arguments that people make they're if, if anything they're, they're arguments that people make who don't understand the arguments and, and get them wrong um but uh but you know those that's the way that they present it so 
Um, it's really interesting. And I, I've been through that, <laughs> you know, in the beginning of my journey, I used to read through that the IRS website and, you know, yeah, so this is, so this is total BS. Oh man, that sucks. I thought I was going to be able to not pay my taxes. Um, and I totally just caved into, um, to, to what the IRS was saying. But like, then once I really started to like understand it even better, I'm like, oh, okay, that's where they're wrong. Or that's, that's where they're misleading. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it, it takes, it takes a lot of time, um, and learning, um, but definitely, you know, look into it, um, view different resources, watch out for bad information. Cause there, there are places like that out there, um, uh, pushing bad information. Um, and you definitely don't want to get caught up in that. Um, so, so yeah, but, uh, welcome, <laughs> welcome to the journey. Thanks, Dan. And thanks so much for coming, everyone. And um, make sure, um, because there will be further talks on this, to follow Taxation is Theft. The easiest way is to just hit the green tent up you know, in the left-hand corner. Uh, follow the club, and you'll get alerted for when there are more rooms. Um, also, follow Dan. Uh, follow myself. You'll see when we've got some uh, great combos like this going. Um, for those who still want to have conversation and talk, we do have another uh, club um, LP talk radio, which uh, has a room that's been going 24 hours a day for over eight weeks now. So um, there's always someone in there to talk to, and we just uh, chill out about stuff like this all the time. So for those, do you want to put do you want to put the link to that up here, um, just so anyone can click on that and, and head over? Sure, Dan. Before we shut the room down. Yeah, I've been putting it up here and there and putting your sites up and and so forth. Uh, but to get to the uh, the room where um, a lot of the people have, have uh, gone on over to, uh, come on over and join us. We talk about everything there and nothing. So um, if there are awesome. or something, we can do that. Um, have you... Um, have you finished everything you wanted to say this time, Dan? Um, just one more thing. I want to thank you for helping to moderate this room um, and uh, making sure everything goes smoothly. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I want to thank everybody for joining um, and being a part of this. Um, I hope um, I, I, I see a lot of quiet people down there. Um, I hope it's, you know, it's, I know it's a lot of information to come in. Um, uh, to, to receive. So um, hopefully it's not too intimidating. Hopefully you'll come back and learn some more and, and start adding, asking questions when you get a little bit more comfortable with some of this information. Um, don't be shy if you're totally new to like all this stuff. Um, I'm, I'm totally like, I'm happy to answer questions. That's what I'm here for. Um, I'm, I'm here just to kind of spread this message and raise awareness and and get a lot more people interested in, in to do the same, um, to, to spread the information. So, um, uh, don't be shy. Don't feel like, Oh, this is a stupid question. Um, you know, uh, definitely like we, we want to make sure we get as many people involved. Um, and just the fact that you're here is, uh, that's, that's already the, the big first step. Um, so thank you all for coming and, uh, we'll see you soon. Yes, definitely. Thanks all for coming. And, just so you know, over in the other, um, the LP Liberty Talk radio, that is never recorded. And uh, not that someone, you know, in Clubhouse Admin or something couldn't hear it, but 
it's not something where there are replays and so forth. So if maybe you didn't raise your hand this time or you have a question like that, um, you know, especially if Dan's in the room over there, feel free to ask it. Um, Dan's in there just about daily, but I know that he's got uh, a convention this week that he'll be heading to. But um, anyway, follow the club. We'd love to have you all come back. And uh, with that, I think we'll go ahead and uh, get this room closed out. Um, and again, many thanks. All right. I'll see you guys later.